Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Max K. I'm Tom Annis. I'm Felix Castro. And I'm General Gaddafi. And I'm Rob Phaneuf, and welcome to our Halfling Army Review. I'm super excited to have a cavalcade of international Halfling superstars to share their thoughts on how great this Halfling Army is. Before we get there, though, let's go around, Rob, and let's talk about our experience with the Halflings, because I know uh, you guys all have lots and lots and lots of experience. I'm Felix Castro. I've been playing Halflings for a little over a year now, kind of when the list first came out. I, 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 I just saw, like, the models and Halflings on dogs and balloons, and I was just like, yes. And that's what attracted me to that, that army. That's, I've been playing them kind of mostly on, but on and off ever since. And we'll throw it over to Tom. Well, I was on the way too early halfling review, Rob. If you recall, we did that. At, I think it was King of the Monsters last year. January after the book came out, right? And it was a brand new army, and it was kind of the way too early army review. Yeah, so glad to have some help tonight. <laughs> uh, I don't have to, to do it all myself. So I've done a lot of playtesting with them. I have a ton of halflings from Mantic. Um, haven't gotten them to the table, but I've probably played upwards of a hundred games with them on UB or with bases or that kind of thing. So they are my next army. Um, should have them ready by lone wolf this year. So in about three and a half months, four months, what happened to dwarves? I thought dwarves were, were coming. No, no dwarves, maybe for masters, but I, I get the feeling that I put the stink on them by bringing them to masters last year and opened the floodgates. <laughs> and we're going to see a lot of dwarves this year. So I'm off that. Fantastic. Well, let's throw it over to Mr. Mode Gaddafi. Hi, everyone. So I've been playing Halflings for about a year as well. So yeah, that that army we review was one of uh, something that is also inspired me to start the army. And also, it's it's a new army and it plays so differently from the other armies. So that really motivated me. So yeah, I've been playing it. Uh, I brought it to Clash of Kings UK early on in, uh, in September. I've, I've been playtesting locally before that so yeah it's uh, about a year i would say excellent and let's throw it over to our favorite australian max k yeah so i jumped on the halfling bandwagon as they came out and what really drew me in was the model range but since then i've played a lot of games with them and uh really enjoy the play style it's something unique and yeah they just bring something to the table that a lot of army other armies don't i took them to first clash of kings uh last year with them and ended up coming in second. So, yeah, that's my halfling backstory. Well, as Tom alluded to, we did do a way too early army review back in February of 2022, uh, recorded locally at the King of the Monsters event. And, you know, Tom had been playtesting and was playing that army, and we figured out, oh, well, we'll chat about it. Gosh, we're 18 months or so post that, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of great stuff to share. To start us off, Aramis gave us a great question. I think this is going to be a, a fun one to, to kick us off, but... What do you think of the army list design style that halflings were the start of? The kind of list where heroes add theme and buffs to make the army work the way it does. He brings up a very good point. This was kind of the first army, the, the first synergistic 
keyword driven army where you've got multiple auras and, and we see it in other armies now like Twilight Kin. Talk about the impact that this new style list, the Halflings, uh, had on the game and, and you know, what its lasting impact has been. They've basically laid the, the foundations, the building blocks for this style of high synergy list. And I think they hit the nail on the head with Halflings. Uh, I think there's great internal balance. Uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made when you're building your list about how you make the most of the auras and the synergies. Um, and now we're seeing it come in Twilight Kin and other armies. Um, but I think, yeah, Halflings has sort of the, laid the foundation for that and they've done it really well. Well, if you look at, at the start of third, and, and we're still living with it today, but we had the themeless, right? And I think Manic wants to get away from themeless while still giving us enough options uh, within the main list to to allow for different play styles and, and things like that. And so the way I've been describing Halflings and now Twilight Kin is it's really a couple different theme lists all together. I mean, you can't, you can do that. You can focus on a keyword um, in the Halflings. You could do a Tinker Halfling list. You could do, you don't have, but you don't have to. You could just place normal halflings and play off the ravenous keyword list. So that was halflings are the first example of that sort of intro list theme list for is how I describe it. Yeah, I agree. And as a person on the RC, that it, it, nowadays it has its reverberations because even though I wasn't on the RC and we have a different RC since the halflings were developed, it's inspiring a lot of when it comes to future list building. Hence, you know, with the Twilight Kin and stuff like that, that has just opened up that ability to like, oh, we can do this and have kind of those internal list synergies and, and stuff like that. And to a lesser extent, even the Northern Alliance with the reworking of Frozen keyword. So I think that's that, that's probably more of its lasting impact it's not exactly you know probably maybe a lot of you guys may or may not agree i mean the halfling list is not a, a world breaker it's not it's not winning a- absolutely every single gt and smashing face all the time you know i, I still think it's going to have that impact well is being felt and probably will be continue to be felt for you know some time yeah i i totally agree with what tom and felix said the halflings i think was the was the first army that mantic released a beta army list for internet i think there was some uh, feedback after that uh, better army list. So yeah, since change its its approach, like a Twilight King, we didn't get a better army list. We just got the final army list. So that's definitely uh, had a change in the Mantic, the way Mantic does the release. But yeah, I totally agree with all three of them. It's a very different army. At first glance, there's no real standout builds. There's a lot of internal balance. The Halfling Army was the first army that came out of the gate with all the models. Like, it's a full range. When the list came out, it took something like six months before we really started to see people with the armies because they're starting from the ground up. It's not like they had a Warhammer army sitting in the closet that they could pull out and and start using. I I think we're starting to see the the, the fruits of that labor now. I think we're kind of at the pinnacle of, of halfling play and I'm excited to chat with you guys. Well, let's jump into the background and obviously let's be honest, Felix, your halfling play isn't why you're here, right? It's, it's your background. It's your great witty puns that we enjoy so much. I mean, you'll, you'll see that later when I'm sharing army lists. Cause that's where it really kind of chef's kiss uh, on that. Yeah. And background, the halflings, they're kind of more Tolkien in the S that, you know, they're, Averaging about four feet tall, uh, they were a migratory peoples for a long period of time and eventually settled into what the halflings call the Shires. 
very original, I know. But they have different regional variations within the halflings. They've got the, the, the halflings in northern parts of the shires that are a little more what you would probably imagine European. And the ones in the southern parts of the shires, you know, especially the ones who ended up in Edge or EJ or however we pronounce it, at least in the books I've read, tend to be described as kind of almost either Mediterranean or even kind of Arabic, North African style uh, uh, looks to them. Very, very exotic, I think, is how they're described in the book Broken Alliance. So, you know, they eventually settled into what is now the Shires and eventually ended up aligning themselves with the League of Rodia. So they served the League for, I uh, forget the amount of time, but served the League. And then uh, in recent happenings, uh, things within the League, a lot of xenophobia, kind of drove the halflings to leave uh, the league. And that is why the halflings now are no longer associated with the league. There are still halflings in the legal Rordia list, but you know, they, the halflings have now their own list. So that's kind of, I guess your 32nd jaunts on halflings. You mentioned broken Alliance by Scott Washburn. It's a great book. If you're interested in the halflings, I, I think it does a great job of setting the story. And, you know, one of the things that, about the halflings you mentioned is them leaving League of Rotary. I think that's interesting that we have a company that's giving us a, a lore and a background that is organic and can change. Because, you know, in previous games we've played, I, I know for me personally, it felt like it was stagnant. But the fact that we are evolving the lore and affecting the list, you know, we had League of Rotary and now this halfling offshoot list is available and who knows how the League of Rotary will be impacted and evolved going forward. So it's it's pretty neat. I just think it's interesting that they they shouldn't exist, right? Like they're weak, puny halflings. And so it's interesting to see through the list how they survive in this world of crazy fantasy creatures and monsters. I'm I'm always more drawn toward more human, normal lists in a world full of monsters versus playing the monsters themselves. And so the halflings tick tick that box for me. Um, they're just regular guys trying to blow stuff up with bombs and and right on the backs of trolls <laughs> not get eaten. So that's what I think is cool about halflings in general, not necessarily mantic halflings. Our good friend Donnie does ask, are halflings just uglier goblins? Yeah, I don't think they're goblins. I think if you play try to play them like goblins, you're just going to end up with a bad goblin list. I think they're a lot more like Ratkin to me, um, where you want to keep everything bunched up together uh, using the auras and synergies that you have available to you. That's that, at least in my mind. I don't know what everybody else thinks. If you try to create halflings like goblins, you'll eventually just look at it and be like, I, I just might as well just play goblins because they don't quite hit the same notes as goblins do. And so they, yeah, and like you said, you know, halflings, they, they have the, they really do well in like combined arms, you know, having a bit of the melee, having some shooting and then, you know, board presence with their stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, feel like they play like goblins i tend to agree i think there was there was this fear where uh, they were developing the list that oh half halflings are just going to be goblins with a different uh coat of paint on them but i think they are units that are very similar like braves and rebel are essentially the same paying a, a five points more for spell what it's quite different we don't have as much magic the war machines are not as devastating but as tom said there's a lot of a lot of synergy within the list we've got more flyers than than goblins do that's a big point for me is that you know they get what wingets that's that's really about it you know we've got three pretty high quality flyers 
within the list. That, that marks that makes them a little bit different than uh, than goblins. So. Well, let's get into the army list. The halfling army is neutral. Not that it really matters anymore now that we don't play with allies. I mean, I guess, Tom, a doubles event that, that might play into it. But any other use for it being neutral? Yeah, I don't think so. No, not anymore. Some spells generally don't see in good armies versus you don't see some spells in, 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 in evil armies. But and but yeah, with allies kind of going kind of almost universally by the wayside. Yeah, it's really just doubles events and stuff like that that you really see any thing with them and there's certain stuff within the halfling lore it's kind of like hmm, mm. pushes the morality of some of this stuff well the army special rule is relentless once per game when attacking unit in melee that currently has at least one point of damage the unit may re-roll up to three of that dice that failed to hit just talk to me about relentless in terms of you know is, is it a good rule kind of where it falls on the grand scheme of general army rules across the game so before the Clash of Kings update, I never included Relentless in my list. Uh, since then, I've recently been taking it on hard-hitting units like the Juggers, like the Muster Captain on Winged Arrows, and it's it's quite good on those units, especially when you've got the plink damage from shooting to do that wound uh, and allow you to trigger the Relentless. So yeah, I've been enjoying it on a couple of units, but it's not something you're going to take across the army like like you might see with, say, Indomitable Will, more widely taken. I mean, no, nothing's as good as Indomitable Will. I think we can all... Uh, <laughs> all I think every them. army review, when I ask them <laughs> what the best special rule is, they all say Kingdoms of Men, Indomitable Will. That's the one that comes to mind, right? Yeah. I do like Relentless as well. I kind of took it early on as I was kind of learning the army. The thing that kills it for me is I, I don't really care for one-use upgrades that i have to keep track of oh did i did I, have, have i used relentless yet have i not uh, uh, it's just something extra for me that my little uh primitive uh lizard brain can't really keep track of i've got a lot to keep track of in this list so it's just piling onto that i guess like i said i, I usually kept it on my mustard captains and stuff like that because you said there's gonna be plane damage like there's rarely times they're hitting anything that's not already been damaged by my shooting uh just i mean for five points i could probably find something else to put onto a, a, a list or shuffle things around so i don't have to have it so that's usually why it's a no for me generally what i think is interesting about it is it, en- it encourages the the halfling playstyle, which is both combined arms meaning shooting and then charging in but also halflings need to multi-charge stuff to kill it in large part they don't have a super hammer the one thing to realize about relentless is Let's just say you charge an unwounded unit with two units that both have relentless. The first unit that charges in can't use it because the the target's not wounded. But the second unit that can't, if as long as the first unit did a wound, can use relentless, even though the combat was started without any wounds on the unit. That's not obvious just reading the rule, but but you should keep that in mind. And so I think on juggers and the winged arrows, like Max was saying, it's it's a it can be a good take. I generally don't though. Points are just too tight. In my list, I don't take relentless, but it's just to, just because of my list. I don't have the hard hitters and the juggers or the general wing arrows, but definitely that would definitely uh, help. I mean, it's also comparing it to like the blade of slashing. The blade of slashing works every turn one once, and it's as uh, Felix said, it's easier to remember. One use items can be a bit tricky in that sense. But it's something that you would want to pick and choose. You don't want to just take it on every unit. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get much use out of it on Braves because you're not converting those wounds. Whereas something like Juggers, with Thunderous 2, you're actually converting those extra hits. So it's a lot more valuable on them. 
Well, let's get into our infantry. And Felix, you want to take us to Braves? Braves, those are your bog standard infantry, like mode, uh, you know, kind of alluded to earlier. They are basically rabble with spell ward. Come in regiments, hordes, and legions. Uh, they're speed five, melee five plus, defense four plus, unit strength two, three, and four at the regiment, horde, and legion level. 12, 25, 30 attacks, 12, 14, 19, 21, and 25, 27 nerve. And you're paying 80, 130, and 190. Uh, they all have spell ward and can get relentless for five points. So again, these are basically goblin rabble with spell ward. These are your cheap unlocks. When I was first initially starting to play test the list, I was running lists with like nine regiments of Braves to unlock every single flyer I, I had going. So, yeah, I mean, the, but they, they're like rabble in the fact that they are un, they they annoyingly do not die generally when your opponent wants them to. I think a lot of people sleep on. Yeah, yeah, their defense for yeah, 12, 14 nerve. But, you know, if you get, you know, the the gastromancy, they can go up to a 14, 16 nerve and 14, 16 nerve defense for. I mean, you're going to put way more than 80 points that that regiment's worth. Uh, to kill them. So I'm a big fan of them. Hence, I volunteered to read this thing because yeah, uh, it's they're, they're really good. I just when I never whenever I need cheap unlocks, I just go to the Braves. Yeah, I mean, Goblin Rabble were the best defensive unit in the game for the points until Halfling Braves existed. And now I would say this unit is the best unit in the entire game uh, as far as defensive unit for the points. It's just it's it's so amazingly good. Defense four is enough to protect against non-piercing shooting generally. Plus you get spell ward uh, for five points, essentially unravel. That's just amazing. They, yeah, they're, they're your unlockers. Um, if you're going to be spending points on expensive unlocks, you often can't afford the more expensive unlocking units and, and these guys slot right in. So you could take two regiments and, you know, stick them in the back corners of the board. You could take, uh, you know, three or four hordes and have them be your front line and play off them with aeronauts, you know, hitting things in the flanks, that kind of thing. I think you should always start with Braves probably. And then as points allow, or as you're, you're coming up with different ideas, you can upgrade them to stalwarts or rifles or whatever, depending on what you're trying to do with the list. But as a starting point, Braves are, are pretty hard to beat. Yeah, Braves, uh, as Tom mentioned, super value. I mean, uh, I usually take them in hordes. I mean, I've tried regiments. I think regiments are good as a backfield protector, back, just to get objectives. I've tried the legion, but doesn't hasn't really worked for me. I mean, maybe you guys have any thoughts on legion or just hordes all the way. The issue is when you run with legions of braves is the same you run with legions of any unit that can take them pretty much because what can kill a horde can probably kill a legion without a whole lot extra effort because what their nerves like what four more <laughs> like six more actually if you're getting hit with something's going to kill a horde it's probably gonna do damage to a legion yeah and 60 points is a lot to pay for not much extra value especially when we're saying points are at a premium this is why we're not taking relentless well, why would we take the extra 60 points for not much return on the value so uh, i had success with one horde in my list and it always does its job. It always sits on an objective and holds it or gets in the way to Goblin Rabble, as others have said. Probably the same reason you don't see Goblin Rabble legions all that often. Yeah, I think I've ran them. I ran them once at a, at a doubles GT last year, and it was OK, but I could have used those 60 points elsewhere for, for something better. Well, all right, let's get into the next infantry unit. We're going to talk about the spear spikes. Very similar to Braves in that five speed Malay five and defense four. They come as a regiment and a horde, no legion here. And they used to be unit strength three and four, and now 
their unit strength two and three, which is interesting that they've reduced the unit strength and their points. They used to be 100 and 165. Now they're 90 for the regiment and 150. If you compare them back to the Braves, you're getting more attacks and you're paying for phalanx. I've never used them. Yeah, I, I've not used them as well. But 35 points in the horde, you're getting, what, phalanx, an extra unit strength, and five extra attacks. I can see it. It's probably more meta-dependent, whether you're seeing a lot of cavalry and flyers. Probably a reason why the spear sparks were, were made into the formation. Because, again, with the whole using formations to kind of encourage people to play units that just aren't seeing the table. And then I think spear spikes were in that same, like, no one was really using them. Because, uh, yeah, you said meta-dependent, but I don't know about Tom, but I don't see Cav all that often. The unit strength thing, I think it's the case that any regiment that's less than 100 points is can't be unit strength three. And so these guys were 100 points, and now they're down to 90 points. So they, they consequently lose that unit strength. So that kind of kills the regiment for me, other than in the formation, because um, you can't get a ninety or a hundred point, you know, unit strength three back field con- control piece. But the horde is really interesting, and in post Clash of Kings twenty four list, uh, oftentimes I'm choosing between a poacher regiment and a spear spike horde because I think the poacher regiment's one forty five, the horde of spears is one fifty. I would play the spear spikes like you play like a naiad horde or something. It's not going anywhere. It's not getting across the board. It's not going up to kill anything. It's going to sit in the backfield on an objective, preferably two objectives, you know, because it's a horde length, so you can control two at once most of the time if you put them in the right spots. And so that's how I would use them. I think they're great. I mean, uh, Phalanx should be played more, and these guys are definitely interesting to me now. Yeah, I, I never took them before. And uh, now I think they, they are worth taking in the hot. For 20 points of all, you get Phalanx. The fire attacks, doesn't matter. The Phalanx allows you to maybe hold an, an extra turn against cavalry or flyers if they decide to charge you in the, in the front. I didn't even notice the, the points decrease in the unit strength. <laughs> Just to show that I've never, never looked at them. So next up in the infantry list, we have the stalwarts. Would you call, I guess you call them their heavy infantry kind of guys, right? They're Because they are... Defense five, they're still speed five and Malay four, but they're defense five and they come in a troop regiment and a horde. One, three, four, unit strength and 10, 12, 25 attacks, 9, 11, 13, 15, and 20, 22. And their cost is 75, 115, and 190. And uh, they can still exchange shields for two handed weapons to defense four and gain crushing strength one. And they can have relentless four, five plus. And they also have now in Clash of Kings 2024, they have a unique upgrade. The Heroes of Hodenberg. It's Horde only. It gains Elite, Malay, and Inspiring for 20 points. And now Stalwart Bits are available on the Vault. So you don't have to buy the resin bits. You can just print them out and you can add them to the plastic bodies. So it's the Stalwart Horde is the kind of the main reason why I never really ran the Legion of Braves. Because for the same amount of points, you got higher defense and hit better lose a bit on the nerve, but you got more offensive output. So, and it's the same point. So why, why would I take a Legion of Braves when I can just run a horde of stalwarts? So I like them. I've ran them a couple times. They're not generally into my lists. I have not run these guys before, but I do think they have a place in the list. To me, they compete most directly with forest trolls. Actually, weirdly enough, Force Trolls are only 15 more points, uh, but you get five extra nerve for that for those points on the Stalwarts. 
um, on, a, on a unit that has defense five, which is is really good. With halflings, a lot of times you're trying to kill things with flanks with aeronauts, and so you really need things to bounce. And there's a lot of stuff that can go through defense five, fifteen, seventeen. Most people built their list to be able to do that actually. And so when you can for fifteen points get five more nerve, that's a lot more aeronaut flanks you're getting. And so I think. If you're taking aeronauts, um, like you probably should be, I think a horde of these is good, um, maybe two hordes. Um, I also think there's a very specific tech choice here. If you're seeing a lot of defense six, like we probably, like you probably are with dwarves and uh, you know impalers and things and, and twilight kin, put hammer or measured force on these guys. Don't drop to crush one. Put the hammer on there, and now all of a sudden they. Uh, they're a pretty good anti-defense six tool. So this is a unit I definitely consider hammer on. Terry Erickson does ask, is it worth putting the Brewer's Sharpness on a horde of stalwarts with two-handed weapons, Relentless and Heroes of the Hordenberg? That puts them at defense four, melee three, CS one, and elite. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm trying to do the calculations right. I Man, yeah, that seems pretty pricey. That's 260 points. We, we Relentless. That's an elf palace card all day, right? Melee three, elite. Crush one, you elf palace got at that point, but you're slower. Yeah, I can't, I can't see it. In a list, we're already saying points can be at a premium. That, that is a lot of something for, in the end, it's still a, at max, 22, 24 unit that can, that's going to be, that's going to be your enemy's target number one at that point. Like, no one's ignoring that unit. Um, so I, I could see them getting whittled down pretty quickly. Yeah, don't do that. It's just, it's chasing go against the list design too much. Just keep them defense five, put hammer on them. If you want them to do, you know, a specific anti-defense six role other than, other than that, just, just uh, keep them as they are. They're pretty good. I think the upgrade kind of interesting because it's a huge bubble right, for the yep. inspiring, right? On a horde. So if you're, maybe if you're lacking inspiring, you're not running iron beasts or another individual in the center of your line, I could say a place for a horde with, with the upgrade, but yeah, I think there's definitely a build there around them. I just they just haven't made their way into my list. It's not the way I like to play halflings. If you want to take a brew, I think my recommendation would be to take the brew of strength if you have the points, rather than the brew of sharpness, because we really lack CS, crushing strength. So I tried uh hot with the brew of strength. It's it worked well, but it really depends on the uh, the rest of the list. I think it worked well with uh iron beast in tandem. So it's almost like a worse version of dwarfs with ironclad. Because Star Wars are closest to Ironclad, uh, Dwarf Ironclad, except they have Spell Ward and uh, Speed 5. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to give it a brew, give it a brew of strength. Or the Hammer, Magic Force. I think this is one of the few units where the Hammer is justified. One time I ran, I ran on a whim, I ran two of the Hordes, and one Horde got Brew of Strength, the other one got Hammer Measured Force. So, and then I had the the Sergeant with the, the Banner, so he had two hordes of 25 attacks sitting on fours of the elite, and they both you know, was either, either a crushing strength one or was hitting you know, wounding on fours regardless. And that was a fun. I didn't take it to a tournament because I a lot of players in my local group are pretty darn good. And so they kind of were able to whittle those things down pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, no, it's it. Like I said, I agree with with, with Gad. It's like that's, that's a good unit to put Brew of Strength on. So then you got you know, at least CS1, if not CS2. Well, let's get into the range infantry. And I know this next unit, everybody's talking about it. Yes. So poachers, uh, speed five, um, melee four, range, range four now, defense three, 
uh, 10 attacks in the troop, 12 attacks in the regiment, 9-11 for the troop, 13-15 for the regiment. Yes, all the special rules you could ever want in a range unit. Pathfinder, Scout, Spellward, Stealthy and Vicious Melee. And uh, they have 24-inch bows with an option to take Relentless for 5 points. So these guys are usually the most valuable unit for me. I mean, I've been running the formation for quite a bit before before it got removed. So what the formation gave was basically increasing the range to 4+, plus and giving it self-inspiring. It's lost self-inspiring, but it's still range 4+. plus. They're super efficient for their points. 140 for regiment. 12 shots is super value. It's virtually impossible to shoot with Spellward and Stealthy. And in a lot of cases, you'll be hiding them in terrain. So it's like a minus 2 to shooting, minus 2 for spells. So yeah, they're great. They project threat across the board. Range 4 plus is, is good. You're hitting on 5 even with uh, penalties. So And they, they can actually do some damage uh, in combat. I mean, if you, I've gotten a flag, I've charged down the hill with these guys. They are speed 5. So 12 attacks, 4 plus with Vicious does do a bit of damage. Usually in a, in a combo charge because you usually will be running two of them together or you have another unit with it. You won't be running alone. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this unit, guys? It's interesting. It's a five-point increase for both the troop and the regiment. And for that, you're going to f- range four plus. And on the regiment, you're losing one unit of strength to drop into two. To me, though, that still seems like a pretty good value for five points. Being range five up. I mean, the only time I ever took these guys was in the formation because of the range lowering down. I I never felt like the 12 attacks was enough weight of dice to really offset that hitting on fives, frequently hitting on sixes, if not half dice on sixes, because your opponents were running a stealthy bubble of some sort and then hiding in terrain. It was just not worth it. At least now, you know, if they're in terrain with stealthy bubble, you still just 12 dice on sixes. That's still something. Kind of remind me of like if I just squint really, really much, it's like, like budget glade stalkers, like it ordered from wish.com, you know, so they're, and they're, they're, they're pretty good. Like I said, I, I plan on adding them. I actually have them on my painting desk right now to add two regiments into my, uh, my army. So think they're more comparable to to the northern alliance uh what are they pack hunters yeah pack hunters which is a, at the same price point you know really good option for that for that army and i think these guys bef- before you'd only see them in the formation now i think you're going to see a lot of them because they're quite good value i've been toying around with two to four units oh, i've been toying with five to eight units why don't australians go to excess on war engines and shooting. What is it? Do you guys have more self-restraint than us? What is it about Australia? I think it's just, uh, it's they have fewer people. They they have fewer Dustin Howards and Brad McKay's who are like, if you don't take BS, you're not going to have, you're not going to have any chance. We like to make friends over here and have enjoyable games. There's less people, so you actually need to have more people to make friends with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. If you push people out, and they're not coming back. Well, you've just lost, you know, a big portion of your uh, player base. Yeah, we don't have the the Tom Anus <laughs> spammers over here. Yeah, eight was kind of a joke, but five, I'm definitely not joking. I, I have sixty bows printed from the the vault, attached to some halfling bodies. You know, the only thing that holds these guys back, uh, or that the rule they don't have that like glade stalkers do have, is steady aim. So you're right, Max. They're they're very close to the the night raiders. 
um, or the uh, the pack hunters, depending on which flavor of Northern Alliance you're playing. The thing that the poachers have over those two units, though, is scout. I played a game against Jeff Radigan, who's a, a player here in Texas, and he was took like 10 pack hunter regiments just to t- test them out. And I took some poacher regiments, maybe five or something. And because I was able to scout and get in terrain, I was already winning the shooting battle and I was able to beat that list. So it has its pluses and minuses. It's not as as broken as Gladestalkers are, frankly, because they don't have steady aim. But they're just a really solid unlocking unit. Stealthy, a stealthy and spell word it means if you're in cover, no matter what is shooting at you, it's going to be a negative two. And then I think maybe like Ad was saying, they hit on fours with Vicious, so and they have Pathfinder. So they're charging out of terrain and doing some decent damage. Or whenever that little hero plinks them and to stop the shooting, they can they can fight back. So they're just an all-around good unit. It's a powerful archetype. A lot of different lists are taking these guys, and now they have four up shooting. We can do that too in halflings. Yeah, and they're ravenous, so rally these guys up to a f- what 15, 17, and they can take a punch as well. Or get brutal on there. What are your guys' thoughts on troops? I think troops are quite tasty for 105 points, 10 attacks. I mean, you might need the unlocks, but I could, I could see a troop spam. I mean, it is for fun. I've never tried it because I've always looked at the the nerve. I was just like, oh, well, I, need, I probably should uh, make regiments of these. But uh, I don't know. It could be. That's... Uh... It's interesting because, you know, the, the low nerve gives you pause in the defense three. But the fact that they do have stealthy and you can get them into cover easily... The counter shooting is minus two, so and spell ward, yeah, and spell wards, lightning bolt, right? Would would have a harder time. Yeah, they're still easy to waver, though. That's the thing. You just unlocking shooting units are just really powerful, and so that's why it attracts me to the regiment over the troop. Not that the troop is bad necessarily, but I I go regiment every time. All right, well, Max, take us into the halfling rifles. So the halfling rifles are infantry, speed five, melee five, ranged five, defense three. Uh, they come in a troop, regiment, or horde for unit strength 1, 2, and 3, respectively. 8 attacks, 10 attacks, and 20 attacks in the horde. Nerve, 8, 10, 12, 14, 19, 21 for 80 points, 115 points, or 200 points in the horde. So these guys have spell ward, 18-inch uh, rifles with piercing 1 and steady aim. Uh, keywords, ravenous and tinker. And you can buy Relentless on them, or I'm not, not sure why you would. Yeah, so these guys have historically been in my list as a as a core. I've, at uh, Clash of Kings, I run three regiments and two Iron Beasts as a center line, um, backed up by Aeronauts and an Engineer, and I had a lot of success with that setup. They do have a pretty major weakness, which is 24-inch bow shooting against your defense three where your spell ward doesn't help. Um, so I've recently been toying around with a couple of hordes, although I think the poachers now might outshine the halfling rifles in a lot of lists. Poachers don't have piercing, which as these rifles do, and the rifles also have steady aim, so you know that's another thing as well. You've got a mobile shooting platform that these guys can move up in. Yeah, it's, it's only a 23-inch threat range, but it's still a 23-inch threat range that can... Uh, put some damage on folks and with the higher nerve, you might get a couple turns of shooting at them before they disappear. So I, don't know, I think it's one of those flavor to taste things. I, I enjoy the piercing. Uh, when I was at the best of the rest, I ended up wavering uh, a iron guard regiment in one turn of shooting from the two hordes. <laughs> and then I don't think they made it past halfway point before I killed them just because, you know, I'm sure if it's 
fives and fives, but that's 40 shots, fives and fives. It's like two turns of shooting was able to take out that regiment. So I would have hit a lot more with the, with the poachers, but you know, with that wounding on sixes, wouldn't have probably done as many wounds. So generally for me, I, my role right now is I have standards and I don't take shooting. That's not at least four plus. Um, these guys though have enough going for them that they can be an exception. Like the the Polish guy who won uh, UK Clash of Kings this year, I, I put his list on the table just to kind of see how it worked. And when I did, it made perfect sense. His two halfling rifle hordes sit together with an engineer in between the hordes and then three aeronauts behind those two hordes. And so the engineer is able to cover all five of those units with its radiance of life, um, which is actually a really good good source of healing in the in the halfling list it does way more than you think it does we could we can talk about when we get to the engineer but they the, that the halfling rifles have the tinker and the ravenous keyword and like a couple other units they can benefit from all the auras in the list i think is is a reason that you still want to take them even though four of you know poachers exist now so they're more of your battle line unit that can shoot and take off chaff or combine with other shooting more so than, than poachers who are going to be sitting in, in terrain, you know, in different areas out on the, the sides of the board, I think. So they, they definitely have a role. I like the distinction between them and the poachers. They're good. Depending on if you're going more shooting heavy, you probably want these guys to be your unlocking units just to contribute that extra two to three wounds per turn. If you look at it, they are basically braves who drop one defense and and uh, and get guns for 70 points which is which is pretty pretty good i mean 70 points i mean it's it's a lot but you, you really pro- project that threat and i think if you want to go you should go hordes i i tried regiments unless we were taking like max max probably runs the regiments together like three of them or two of them together i think one regiment on its own is not going to do much Unless you just need it to stand on the objective the whole game. And and it's cheap enough. One one five unlocking shooting unit, you know, you can't get can't ask for more than that. Yeah, the list I ran at Clash was three regiments, two iron based and an engineer, which is forty three shots. Piercing ones, all piercing ones to the aim. All affected by radiance of life from the engineer and wild charge. So it's that was a solid little call for me. Let's get moving into some interesting cavalry options. Keith Conroy does ask, do Caflings secretly have the best cavalry builds in the game? What do you guys think? I don't know what type of prize that would be given the state of Caffling <laughs> King's War, but I actually wouldn't disagree with that. I think Caflings is one of the only lists where you actually do want to take Cav. If there's a secret about it, I haven't discovered it. Uh, I've tried. Like I ran, I ran uh, Peter... Uh, the guy that won UK Clash, I ran his list one time, did uh, I horrible with it. And then I, I did, uh, as a fun Friday night, uh, ran a list that uh, Elliot Morish had won a UK tournament with. And had a, both have large cavalry contingents. I just, I just could not get them to work. So hopefully someone on this call can, can, can illuminate to me because I, I just haven't figured it out with cav was it before the change or after the change before clash uh all those games i played were before and even with uh the uk winning list was before so previously before clash i tried regiments they did they didn't do enough for me 
I mean, and if you give them any items, it get expensive for lances at least. So I want to keep the lances cheap. So, but now with 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 the change, I think uh, the point drop, you could almost take an MSU style lances. I mean, one four five points is it's really cheap for a cavalry unit that can they can actually do some damage. And hitting hitting on trees, you don't have a lot of hitting on trees in the list. Really enjoys speed at nimble cav. Even if they don't hit hard, you just move them up, threaten a flank, force your opponent to react, and then move away. Threaten another flank somewhere else. The trick is to to never charge them into combat. I guess I play against too many goblin players because you know speed ten flea bag riders completely outpace you. And yeah, these guys need to be speed ten. Felix, make it happen. Try my best. <laughs> but if we want to go to some of the changes, we I can go into the juggers if you guys don't mind. So so juggers are kind of like the they're the cav version of the Braves, um, so you're you're a little more defensive. Uh, you know, they come in troops, regiments, and hordes uh, with one, three, and four unit strengths respectively. They're all speed eight. They all melee three plus, uh, defense five. They've got eight, sixteen, and thirty two attacks. Troop regiment horde level, and they got ten, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, and twenty, twenty two nerve at one hundred twenty points, one eighty five, and three fifteen. Uh, they've got. Iron Resolve, Nimble, Spell Ward, and with uh, the class changes, they went from Thunderous 1 to Thunderous 2, and then the troops and the regiments got cheaper. Or more expensive, sorry. So the troop went to 125, and the regiment went to 190. But, you know, you've got, uh, like I said, a Speed 8 Nimble uh, Regiment of Cav that hit on 3s and got Thunder 2 and Spell Ward, so... I, I've never ran the Juggers. Um, maybe some of the folks here have ran them before. Um, let me know how, how, how they work. Because I, for me, I would rather keep them cheap and go with the Lancers. So I've been running them since the, the class changes. And look, this is the closest thing we have to a true hammer. 16 attacks on threes with Thunderous 2. I've been putting Helm of the Drunken Ram on one regiment. You put Brutal on there and all of a sudden... You know, you've got a good shot at maybe popping something, you know, that hasn't got such a high nerve in a, in a single round, or you combo charge them, obviously, which is what halflings like to do. Yeah, I don't mind the jugger regiments now. I think they're really good, actually. the 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 thing that the juggers have over other TC2 cav is the nimble. I mean, that just completely changes the unit for me. They're like they're like speed eight werewolves almost. I think you could run these guys a couple different ways. You could run them as as kind of a cav flank. I think they pair two two regiments of juggers pairs perfectly with the new formation and the new um, strider captain. You put those things together, uh, and you have a nice, really nice cav wing that's got some shooting to draw you in, and then some pretty uh, good hitting power that's never going to be hindered. Um, you can do that, or you can run them kind of as a, as a second wave, um, just hanging out with nimble, getting in the perfect position to where they need to be. Um, so you can, you can perfectly position them for flanks or, or hit whatever kills your infantry. Um, so I, I really like them. Um, the horde is interesting too, when you have saucers that can give wild charge. Um, and so that's a scary proposition to get charged unexpectedly by a cab horde. Um, so I think that's, that's legit too. Uh, I think they're in a really good place now. TC2 is exactly what they needed to, to actually be taken. Onto what Tom said, I think a horde is really, 
Pretty good. Uh, we I, I we have a local player KJ. Shout out to him. He's the other halfling player in Singapore. He 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 runs a horde of them, and he what he does is he has multiple regiments of wild lancers to go and charge chef and other stuff in the way while the horde hangs back and just waits for that key charge or two. So it's it's a big chunk of nerve defense five. I resolve with the sorcerer. It's 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 a Death Star unit, but with nimble and uh, with the sorcerer, you, you can really catch your uh catch your opponent off guard. I'll push back on the horde because, well, this is before the update with Thunderous Two, but I've run the horde a couple of times, and every time it's vastly underperformed. I just think cavalry hordes are generally a trap. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But if others have had better experiences, then. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, I think the the key, as uh, Tom said, would be the master captain with with Strider Aura. I think that really unlocks the potential of the horde with with the, I mean with DC two. For me, uh, I like to keep my target saturation pretty high in terms of you know what I present on the table and you know give that question to my opponent like okay, which one do you want to attack? Because uh, if you have a bunch of regiments of halfling braves, it's like okay, which one do I kill? I mean, it's eighty points, whatever. But we have a big kind of Death Star looking unit, like a horde of uh, jugger cavalry. It's like, mm, yeah, that's most of my opponents be like, cool. Here's my lightning bolt battery right over there, or you know, yeah, they've got spell ward, but I mean, you still throw enough dice. I mean, something's gonna get through, and you don't need much to eventually whittle them down. So I think most good players know how to shut down a cavalry horde. Something that's that many points, you throw an individual in there, you put chaff in front of it for two turns, and you set up a, a double or a triple charge. And if you're throwing away chaff or other units to protect it and to deliver it, you're looking at nearly half your army invested there. Yeah, in the most competitive list, you're probably not taking a horde. But I do I, I do like calf hordes. I've taken them in Undead in Rordia. The, the interesting thing is you don't have to choose between... I mean, you can put crush one on them to get them up to crush one thunder two and also with the the strider guy be unhindered with jugger specifically you kind of lose out on the nimble with the horde size so i probably wouldn't do it i keep it regiments but i do think it's a it's a mid-tier option in the list i guess setup i've been running is i think it's pretty similar to what you've been running tom two regiments of juggers with the formation the two troops a sorcerer a mounted master captain with a strider aura Yep, that's it's a lot of investment, but it is a fast, hard-hitting flank that presents a lot of threats and comes at you from a lot of angles with nimble. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing too. It's it's pretty effective. Yeah, it's a good setup, and you've got so those troops can charge in alongside the regiments, do a, a point of damage, and trigger relentless for the regiments. Well, do you want to move into wild lancers and wild runners? They're they're cousins. So Wild Lancers and Wild Runners um, are pretty much the same profile. Wild Lancers, Speed 8, Melee 3, Defense 4, um, Troop Regiment and Horde Size, uh, 7, 14, and 28 attacks. Um, they have the typical halfling nerve points of 9, 11, 12, 14, and, and 19, 21. Iron Resolve, Nimble, Spellword, and Thunderous 1 for the Lancers. With the runners, the difference is they are only melee four versus melee three, and they drop a defense from, from four to three. 
in exchange, they get to uh, pick up a shooting attack. It, they come base with short bows, which is 18-inch steady aim shooting. And then the way you really take them, which is you pay 10 or 15 points to upgrade the short bows to black powder weapons to get that sweet, sweet uh, Pierce one. So Wild Runners unlock. Again, shooting units that unlock are always powerful. It's always something you should be looking at as an option in your lists. I have lists with six regiments of Wild Runners as the unlocks and running sort of a crazy Mongol-style halfling shooting list. It, it could definitely work. I like both these guys. I think the Jugger train change kind of crowds out the Lancers a bit. But if you don't have the points for Juggers, Lancers are a decent substitute, I think. Going back into the, the Wild Runners, has anyone taken them with just the short bows? I have. How do they work out for you? Yeah, look, they're not going to do much damage, but I just enjoy having units that are speed 8 nimble scoring units that if a flank gets presented, yeah, they can do a little bit of damage. They are melee 4. Speed 8 nimble, they can pick up flanks. Look, it's not the best choice in the world, and I do often upgrade them to the piercing one shooting. But if you're if you're short on points and you want to take the the runners, then it's it's not it's not an auto upgrade. I don't think. Yeah, you mentioned with the the melee four. Uh, I, I've often caught my opponents out because I charge them hindered in. And I'm like, all right, I got 14 attacks hitting on fives. They're like, yeah, they're hindered. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. There's like they're they're hitting on fives. It's just like you know because <laughs> they're melee four. Like I've had people run scarecrows at them. And I'm hitting them, hitting them on sixes with shooting, and then I just thought, let me just charge in, hit you on fours, hit you on twos. That's one thing, especially at the Thunderous, if you can get them clean, that they're not actually hindered. Again, with the uh, soon-to-be-mentioned uh, you know, a Strider captain, I mean, all that Thunder does add up after, after a while. I would never take the runners in a troop, or I'd never take either of these units in a troop, because the edge grenadiers exist. I mean, in Rordia, where they don't have Grenadiers, I do take a similar unit mounted scout troops just for some chaff um, on the on the flanks. But you have Grenadiers, so it's tough to choose either one of these unless you're taking the runners with the Black Powder weapons, in which case I think a troop is, is a legit choice. I generally agree with that, unless you're running the formation, which has two troops of, of runners. Yeah, the, the, the EJs are just so much better for the points. I mean, you're getting Unitrang 2 and higher nerf. So, yeah, the, the troops suffer quite a bit, the, the, at least the, the combat versions. Uh, we have Scott Thaley, uh, one has a question. Does anyone take them without upgrading to rifles? I think we kind of touched on that only if you don't know what you're doing. Is that a fair answer? Even the actual kit you get, like of just regular your 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 basic halfling kit doesn't come with bows. You get rifles to begin with, so uh, you almost have to pay extra or use the vault to print off bows. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, okay, that's the death knell right there, Felix. Now that's on the on the uh, the vault, you can three D print them if you're a subscriber. But yeah, otherwise it's like yeah, you you come the the box comes with rifles, so might as well upgrade them. Yeah, and then Tyler Schultz asks, why don't we see light cav spam from halfling players? And I think I actually got my six regiment wild runner list from from Garrett Mercier. So maybe that's a motivated question. Uh, I think it's a legit legit list. I haven't seen anybody do it though. My question is how you have time to paint up all these cavalry units. Tom just borrows it. What are you talking about? He just borrows armies. <laughs> yeah. 
think more mixed is the way you want to build it. If you run all cavalry, you're just going to end up running into your counter in an all phalanx army. Or yeah, I think a more mixed list presenting multiple charge uh, distances, multiple threats is how you want to play halflings. I don't know if you consider four regiments spam, but I do think that there's something to pairing these two, two lancers and two wild runners. I mean, I've seen Felix. I think you mentioned this. Elliot Morsh has done that. And then obviously the guy, uh, the Polish guy who won Clash of Kings UK did that. So when you're trying to build lists in general, and especially with the list weird as halflings, it's okay to steal ideas from other people. And if you see the same idea pop up in a couple different people's lists, then then write that down, mark that, and try it out in your own games because obviously there's something to it. Because at the end of the day, that's still four unlocking units. Yeah. Quote, unquote, expensive, but... They're still unlocks. It's not like they're a bunch of irregular units that you're trying to fit into your list. It's still unlock, and they're cheap-ish, so yeah. I think Halflings are a really good objective-focused army, and the cavalry is part of that. Cavalry, the Edge Grenadiers, the Flyers, it just gives you a lot of play in every single scenario. Well, let's jump in and talk about the formation. So the old formation, McSween's Cutthroats, is no more. Uh, it's been replaced by Wild Saucery. And this new formation is two Wild Runner troops, for, and you pay an additional five points each. And you get one Spear Spike Regiment for ten points. And the two Wild Runner troops gain good cooking. While within six inches of a core friendly unit with the Gastromancy special rule, this unit is considered fearless and gains the elite ranged special rule. The spear spike unit gains the gastromancy special rule. See the saucery unit entry. And so it's 20 points. I think the old formation is not needed anymore because they kind of baked into the portrait unit what you were getting out of that. Maybe not the inspiring piece, right? But you were certainly getting the four plus shooting. I don't know, guys. On paper, this seems like a pretty interesting new formation. Talk to me about the new formation. You can actually build this out of the ambush box. Look at the stuff we've been doing with building. It's exactly what I'm doing at the moment. I mean, it's a great formation. It's interesting and actually might might be pretty good. I look at the Spear Spike Regiment as a, as a caster almost. And any unit that can cast spells, like it's not an individual, is something to really look at. Like that's why the Weavers are so interesting and people are complaining about them, although now they've they've moved on to, to the <laughs> boats. But a scoring unit that can cast spells is powerful. And even though this isn't actually a spell, it kind of is. And so that's, that's great. And then as Max and I were talking about earlier... The troops just pair so perfectly with two jugger regiments, a uh, strider captain, and a mounted, um, a mounted saucer. It's it's kind of like its own sub formation of this formation. It's like the obvious way to pair the uh, the troops with something else. I think it's great. I will have to give the caveat though that you will have to play then the spear spike regiment in the formation differently than a saucer because gastromancy. Unless disordered, immediately get before giving this unit a movement order, pick one of the following special rules and roll three dice. So unless disordered, it's a little easier to hide a saucer. Spear spikes, your opponent can just, you know, just shove something into those spear spikes and then shut off that gastromancy. So you definitely have to play them differently than a uh, than a saucer. Oh, yeah, they're not on your front line. No way. They're they're hiding in the field with the other individuals. Players that are thinking about playing halfling, playing the formation, just think, you have to have a different role than just your normal front line you, as you'd run spear spikes against Cav or whatever. So, But yeah, I, I like it. It definitely gives me reason to actually make spear spikes because I had not added them to any of my list. It's definitely viable. I mean, it does everything that the Sorcerer does because the Sorcerer doesn't provide anything else. But it scores. It gives you two in your strength. It can take 
one charge maybe you know so it's it's a lot more versatile than the sorcerer in that sense i mean you you can't really give it some items that i give my sorcerers like a boomstick or the dude but it's it's a great formation i think this is one time where the rc did, did a good job of uh making a formation quite different and viable Scott Sally says, uh, the new formation, what is the best way to make it work? It feels like one would need to add a mounted saucer to get the most of the out of the wild runners. What are your guys' thoughts? I agree with that. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. And the reason for that is because that, that way the troops are fearless. So in fearless units are good. It just makes too much sense. But you're not wrong, Scott. Fearless chaff is good. And Devlin Smith does ask, merits of the formation versus foot gastros with hot pots versus mounted gastromancers. Uh, where you get unit strength, like you get a scoring unit out of the spear spikes as opposed to the sorcerer, which is very good. And that's kind of the big one. I mean, you do lose the maneuverability that uh, that an individual, you know, we, we explain the change when the, the sorcerer is later on, but a little more surety of the gastromancy because uh, Lord knows the amount of time I've gotten nothing on three dice for anything is a thing. Yeah, like I said, unit strength, I um, mean, not the best use of points, but you could always give them orb of towering presence and bump up that that unit strength back up to what they were before Phalanx got cheaper, but... I started out with Orb of Towering Presence on them, but I've started taking Sacred Horn. It's just a huge bubble. You cover 21 inches across the board. That's a good shout. I think that you're losing out with the formation, you're losing out the ability to take another item, like Loot, for example, that Loot of Insatiable Darkness, which, you know, not everything in the list is spell word, and now the, the Iron Beast don't have the spell word Aura, your Iron Beasts and your Aeronauts love Bane Chant. So I think that's that's the big downside of the formation, but otherwise it's pretty good. The formation allows you to take the formation and a Sorcerer. So it gives you two sources of, of Gastromancy. I would rather take one formation and one uh, Sorcerer instead of two Sorcerers. So it's got 15 attacks. Yeah, it's hitting on fives, but if you're running that as a, a second line, you can pick up flanks. I've picked up a flank charge off a hill with that Spear Spike Regiment, and that's 30 attacks with Thunder 1. I mean, a Sorcerer can't do that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to trying this formation. Like I said, I haven't done it yet, but uh, yeah, sounds sounds like a pretty interesting uh, proposition. I will say it's Forest Trolls. Best trolls in Kings of War. I'll not be taking any questions. These guys are large infantry. They're speed 6, melee 4+, defense 5+. They come in regiments and hordes with 2 and 3 unit strength, 9 and 18 attacks, pretty standard uh, troll uh, profile. Here comes the changes, though. Uh, their regiments are 12, 14, and, and hordes are 15, 17 nerves. So they're only a two nerve gap compared to most of your quote unquote troll three gap. You know, because most of your trolls, I think, are 11, 14, and 14, 17, I remember off the top of my head. Uh, you're paying 125 versus 205, but for those 15 points, you're getting extra nerve and then, or one pip of extra nerve, at least within the waiver um, thing, but they're also getting crushing two and they get pathfinder and they're regen five plus a keyword of troll. I know Tom said he's singing the praises earlier. I mean, they are the best I've got enough for three hordes painted up. Only downside I have for them is that it's that 15, 17 nerve that even though it's really good for a troll, I mean, that's, Kind of the, the the word is out on fifteen seventeen nerve, and so many, at least players I play against, tune their list to have their hammers be able to kill fifteen seventeen nerve reliably. Kind of why I generally tend to not take them, but they are the best trolls in the game. 
Yeah, but if you don't take trolls, then you got to take infantry, and who wants to do that? Right? Well, like... there's a reason I have uh, I have nine regiments of Braves painted up. That way, I can field four hordes if I need to. And even though their 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 defense isn't as high, they've got that nerve that unless they unless you get multi charge, which I try not to allow that to do. You know, that, that tends to stick a lot longer than 1517 nerves. So, yeah, there's a lot to say about these guys. I mean, first of all, they have Pathfinder, which is like a big difference between them, along with the, the smaller uh, uh, nerve gap than regular trolls. So, halflings are unusual where if you look at their list, aeronauts, um, you know, force trolls, the Iron Beasts have Strider, and now with this new Ravenous character, I mean, the new uh, Strider character, they can easily field a army that completely ignores terrain, which is crazy. Uh, and the poachers too play into that except Pathfinder. So that's the first thing. These guys are great on lockers to make an all terrain ignoring army, which in some metas where you just have gigantic pieces of terrain everywhere, that, that may be the way to go. The second thing is with the new scenarios, you can't list that just sit back and shoot or, you know, or avoid the middle. They don't work as well anymore so you need something that can go up and trade punches for a couple turns and these guys can definitely do that and so you know they benefit from the iron beast headstrong aura which takes away the number one weakness of trolls even trolls that are uh the best trolls in the game so they pair really well with iron beasts they're just great that crush two in a list that we haven't talked about it yet but purposely i think design wise doesn't have a lot of crush these guys can help build back some of that into your army. And that headstrong or, I mean, we'll talk about it. That's kind of like the one waiver mitigation we've really got in the list is that headstrong or. So I believe I remember Jesse Cornwall, he always said, always be slapping. That headstrong or helps these trolls to always be slapping. You shall not pause. <laughs> when I have taken the, the iron beast with the headstrong or that has paid dividends, you know, with these guys, when they do get wavered, it's like, okay, cool, sweet. There's a three plus they're, they're, they're attacking back in. And so, yeah, they're very, very nice. Yeah, there's a lot of synergies to like here. Tom touched on most of them, but they also give you aeronauts cover if you're running aeronauts as a second wave because they're height three, aeronauts height five. So there's a nice little package here with you know some trolls, an iron beast with a headstrong aura, aeronauts in behind, everything benefiting from headstrong, everything's pathfinder or strider, everything's in, in terrain with cover with... Um, or the aeronauts getting cover behind the, the trolls and flying over the top. There's a that's a nice little sort of battle group, I guess, or or core there. And I think there's a lot of nice synergies to like. Yeah, the trolls are good. I've never run them. I don't run halflings to run trolls. I run halflings to run halflings. But hot takes from uh, from Max over here. Um, yeah, I said I don't run them a lot in my list, but I have ran them in multiple times. We we do our Friday night general uh you know gaming uh at my local store i usually will, that's when i'll bring my trolls i don't think i really brought them to too many tournaments yeah i think they, i think as max said i try to run more halflings in the halfling army but i can see two three hots being very good i mean being large infantry smaller footprint you can pick a punch they are quite tough for for uh halfling unit so yeah, they, they they pair very well with the Iron Bees and also Harvesters because of how how they are footprint wise. So yeah, maybe I can take you guys into Forest Road Gunners, my personal favorite unit, which I have one unit here. Yeah, I can have a look. Yeah, so yeah, this I think no hardly anyone took them, 
I think I was the one of the only players out of nine players at Clash of Kings to take uh take them. I, I took a hot. So basically they are speed six, melee four, range four, which is important, defense four, nine attacks in a regiment, 18 attacks a hot, same nerf as the regular forest rolls, but they are irregular. Uh they have crushing string one, pathfinder as well, regeneration five plus, and they have a 18-inch pintle gun which has now been upgraded to have piercing one. So this is this is this is huge. And you also have the option to take relentless for five points because there's halflings on top. So I this is personally one of my favorite units in the army. It's extremely underrated. Any shooting unit that can punch back, that has Pathfinder, and it's quite resilient with uh 1570 nerve and regeneration five plus it's it's good. Being height three allows you to shoot over Braves. So what I've done a couple of times is just throw Braves forward, put them behind the Braves. Sure, I'm hitting on fives, but I have 18 attacks. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to using them with piercing one. So uh, you could you could see some builds with two hordes of them. Two hordes of them can really do a lot of damage with piercing one. 18 shots at 18 inch range. Yeah, what what, what are you guys' thoughts on this? So they're going Tinker now as well, which is quite interesting because you can get Radiance of Life and Wild Charge onto them. Yeah, and that that was definitely a unit that was not seeing play, mainly because they kind of struck me as like kind of like uh, Ratkin Nightmares. Sure, they had 18-inch range, but they didn't have any steady aim, no piercing, and it's kind of like, eh, you know. And my argument, because uh, we did get a little bit of pushback during playtesting, was like, wow, they're getting this. I'm like, just because they're on a troll should not change the physics. Like, all the other rifles are piercing one. Why are they... <laughs> like? like just because they're on top of a troll doesn't mean they don't. It doesn't change how bullet hits. Uh, so that was my argument for giving them piercing one. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see if uh, players like Tom can completely break the meta, and we have to scale back because people can't control themselves. Tom, did you sense that? Felix has got some doubt in his voice there. Like he may have made a mistake. <laughs> well, I, it, speaking of pushback, part of that was for me. I think it's a very tough line to draw with these guys because it's very easy to make them too good i think if they were regular they would be ridiculous agreed and people would be spamming them you haven't seen them taken because they're irregular so they're not the easiest thing to fit into the list and also it's just kind of expensive honestly to to at least build mantic versions of this anything more than like two or three hordes and so those two reasons limit the spam but they are very good shooting units now just think about like elf archer hordes back in version two they had 20 attacks and yeah they shot 24 inches and these guys only shoot 18 but otherwise this is pretty much like an elf bow horde with the with the old piercing one item on it that's a lot of good range damage um, they pair really well with the heroes, who are even better than this unit. Um, but half, halflings aren't going to shoot you off the board ever. They're going to shoot you and then clean you up with combat. That means you're you're trying to kill chaff and maybe one to two tough units. You're not going to delete an entire army with shooting. So I think they're a good complement, maybe one horde, two hordes with some of the heroes that's a good alternative line, maybe if you want to go more shooting heavy. But they're not the easiest thing to fit into the list. They're very good, but they're kind of hard to build in. Is well, they did 
contribute quite nicely to that play style in that they do some good shooting and then they still charge in with 18 attacks on fours, crush one. So they're contributing combat to, say, in a multi-charge. Now that I have that, I might actually add them into my list. Um, had not. I generally was using the uh, gunnery sergeants, which we'll talk about when we get the heroes, but uh, these pair really nicely with those. And so, yeah, I could definitely see that becoming part of a list that you station them behind your infantry and as they're grinding, if they charge, they counter charge one unit and leave the other one untouched, it's like, cool, I'm going to shoot that one that's not getting countercharged and plink some damage on them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I recall uh, doing playtesting myself and Paige. We were like, are you serious? Are they really getting piercing one? Because our argument was they should get steady aim instead because being on top of a troll, you know, it's it keeps you steady. I, I, I'm not sure. But steady aim would be a bit more balanced for me, for, for, for what we would discuss. But I think piercing one is interesting as by Storm said, it's, it's difficult to fit them in a the list. They don't unlock. They are expensive. Kind of have to pair them up with something else. Well, is it time to get to the... Huh, what's the official pronunciation here, Felix? Is it Edge? Is it EJ? I pronounce it Edge, uh, which is horrible because I would have a t-shirt that says you could buy the entire ticket, but you only need the Edge. I did see Matt Gilbert say on the Kings of War forum that it's pronounced Edge. So that's about as official as you get. Just call them Grenadiers and avoid the whole situation. How about Grenadiers? As we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking that was a. I was like, that can't be an Australian thing. That's got to be a Crozier thing. Uh, so we got the Edge Grenadiers. They are large infantry, uh, irregular, height two. They are speed 10, melee four plus, uh, defense four plus. Uh, only coming to regiment. They are unit strength two, which is good. Um, nine attacks, 11, 13 nerve, 105 points. They are brutal D3, fly, and nimble. And you can get relentless for plus five points. And then they have the halfling in Tinker keywords. Paul Forbes, he uh, he asked, who the heck thought Brutal D3 wasn't crazy? Yeah, these guys are so good. I have three in just about every list because they are just that good. They're just cheap enough for me that I don't mind using them as chaff. Okay, if I need to, uh, I'll throw them in to, to, to fend off whatever. But yeah, no, they're, they're so good. Are you guys running relentless on these guys? No. Nope. I wouldn't because you do want to use them as chaff in certain situations. I, you know, I think every single list in Kings of War needs something that can go across the board and contest like objectives behind a forest on the other side of the board, or they, they can credibly threaten like a rabble regiment that's trying to hold a control quarter in a corner. Every list needs something like that. And, and halflings really, I mean, they ha do have other flyers, but you don't want to waste a 195 point muster captain to go chase down a rabble horde. And, and so these guys are good for that. They, they just go really well with the army. Um, and that brutal D three is crazy, but it is necessary in a list that can struggle with defense six and, and does struggle with defense six sometimes. So these kind of tricksy things like brutal D three on grenadiers is, is part of how the halflings deal with that. I agree. And then it's still just brutal D3. I mean, a lot of times I've just got brutal one. It's like, okay, it, it's good, but it doesn't feel like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to win this combat now. Uh, but yeah, what it does, when you get that, when, when you roll that five or six on that D6, it's, you just have that nice smile. Like, yes, <laughs> like I might actually win this combat and take out this unit that I otherwise probably don't have much of a, a reason to, to kill. But, you know, like I explained to people, they don't. If you notice, when I read it off, they don't have any crushing. They don't have any thunderous. They're 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 just there to contribute brutal, brutal. So you, if you're lucky, you may get one or two wounds off of them. They do have enough attacks where you can on fours 
probably Grounded Dragon. Yes. You're going to be nervous when you're rolling, but they can do it. <laughs> I've definitely done that before. <laughs> that, that that nice clutching factor is like, oh man, am I going to get a wound in on this? Uh... Especially when hindered, because they hit on fours. I mean, if you're hindered, hitting on fives, you're like praying to the gods that you do one wound. But I think they're, they're great. They're one of the best chefs in the game. They're basically almost as good as Phantoms. 11-13 nerf is, is the key for them. They can really take some light shooting. I mean, they, their weakness is shooting. You want to hide them from lightning bolts and whatnot, yeah, which is easy to do with the since they are flying. And also, they have Tinker, so they can get the wall charge uh, aura from the Engineer, so they can charge 21. Which they can out-thread other flyers. That's a good point. People love to shoot these guys because most of the other, especially with lightning bolt, because most of the other stuff we have is, is spell work. So that's like my my opponent. That's their number one priority is to shoot the air, shoot the edge grenadiers. I just I've come to accept that. And the cool thing is that they are height two, so you, they can hide behind braves. Unlike a lot of large infantry in the game, which are height three, they are height two, so they are easier to hide. I will say, I really wish they were height three though, because then they could provide cover to the aeronauts. That would just, they would pair even more perfectly there. But Felix, that's another note. Oh, these guys are great. Nearly every list I write has two regiments. They're your chaff, they're your anti-chaff, they're your chaff, they're your anti-chaff, they're your combo charge piece to add in a, a point of damage and a brutal D3. They're your object, late game objective runners. They just do everything you want for a pretty low price point. I won a game of pillage that way because my opponent only, she only had a portal despair on one of the tokens. And I was like, oh, that's unit strength one. <laughs> charge, charge that uh, unit into into combat. I didn't kill it, but I didn't kill them back. And so then all of a sudden I have two unit strength to her one. So I ended up winning that, that objective and ended up winning the game. So Yeah, unit strength three is very good. Yeah, or in control last turn. I've got unit strength two wherever I want it. And the models are awesome. I am a huge fan of these models. They are super cool. Yeah, if you're looking at what to buy first, and Halflings, two regiments of these guys are going to fit in pretty much every single list you can come up with. Only two, Tom, that does not sound like Texas. <laughs> he says the start. Wait till we get to the next unit, Rob. We'll get into large cavalry, and we'll have the irregular unit aeronauts, which is height five, speed seven, melee four plus, defense five. They only come as a regiment, unit strength two, nine attacks, 13, 15 nerve, and 175, but they have blast D3, crushing strength two, fly, pathfinder and they have a rule bombing run in melee this unit will always hit the enemy on a four plus regardless of any other modifiers this is straight up uh, just a crazy unit when i think of the halflings this is kind of the unit i think about so for me like aeronauts are like variants personified i've done 16 attacks on the front in woods against a unit i've also done four on a flank so it's kind of depending on your dice rolls. It's a gambler unit. I've lucked out really pretty much, and I've also not done really well on my dice rolls, depending on on things. So I do think the limiting factor is the fact that they can only be taken as a regiment. I mean, I'd be kind of bonkers if they were taken in like hordes. I don't know if it's a like a Death Star unit. It's like this would be a Death Star if it was like Death Star of like party city supplies you buy, like a pinata. Like it's it, it could do it could do it could do amazing things and one shot stuff. I've also taken two into an Ice Nyad horde and taken two turns of combat to kill it because I just rolled like crap. On average, they hit like a eighteen attack melee four mm-hmm. crush two unit. Which doesn't sound amazing, but they're only 175 points. So 
and, and they ignore all modifiers, which is the big thing about these guys. Like, you don't care about phalanx, don't care about ensnare. These guys make Trident Realm cry. <laughs> they really do. I think three regiments is probably the sweet spot for most lists. Uh, if you're going more than that, um, you're going to have to tell me what your thought is. I know there are some crazy spam aeronaut lists out there towards the beginning uh, of the list coming out, but I, I think most people have settled in two, three, four, because um, you you need something that hits a little bit hard and is going to punish people that try to rush up on your infantry or your slower shooting units. So these guys are extremely important to the list. I can't imagine I can't imagine a list without them, but 90% of my lists have a couple of regiments of these guys in them. Yeah, I, I think the height five in this respect kind of hurts them because it's harder to hide them. And even if your player, even if your opponent has never played against Happen before, they know the reputation of Aeronauts. And they're like, yeah, those guys need to die. And so whatever shooting they, your opponent does have, whatever lightning bolt they have is going into that unit. Because they don't have spell words. I tend to run two. Uh, a lot of times I've put in three as well. But, you know, sometimes if I will use that to my advantage, if that's something my opponent's just like, oh, that unit needs to die. It's like, cool, focus on that unit for a while. I'm going to go here and claim all these objectives while we're in the game. So. Yeah, I, I tend to run. Yeah, they're, they're a great unit. I, I never had much uh, success with it because I tend, tend, tend to run them as a second line. And they only speed seven, so speed seven is like, it's it's like in no man's land. You know, a lot of units are speed six or speed eight. So speed seven being they are a bit slower. They have a pretty large footprint as well, and the models are uh, a pain to build. I think we have a question by Keith Conroy. What's worse, attaching the rigging to the aeronaut models or matching the legs on the Night Stalker Dreadfiend? I think it uh aeronaut model is far worse. I have two boxes, I only opened one. I didn't bother with the other one. At least not yet. The the nice soccer dread feed, at least, you know, you could just put the legs wherever. It's it's supposed to be like messy. But if for the aeronaut models you need to match the rigging. Uh, if not it it's top heavy, it would fall over. But it, it's a this is one unit I think if if it if it had relentless, you guys would take it always, all the time. Because hitting on force is it's tough, you know. I think blade of slashing is almost mandatory. It is mandatory on your first aeronauts. I agree. And to answer the question on, on the rigging, get a friend who has vault access in a 3D printer and they can 3D print all the aeronauts you will ever need. I'm holding up a box as one, two, three, four, five, six. And that's not including the three regiments I already have like assembled. So, I mean, you can easily subscribe to the vault friends. Uh, you can, you can use that and 3D print them so you don't have to assemble them. Cause yes, assembling the, the models as they come from Manticore, it's pretty much a pain. Um, but yeah, you're right. Blade of Slashing is kind of a, a must-have for that first one. Second one... Elite. Yeah, Elite. But that, at that point, it's like, what? Almost almost 200 points for that unit. So it's like, eh, I don't know. I'd prefer the Cape and Shape at that point. Especially because they are going to be your opponent's number one target priority. So don't want to give them a free 195 points. Yeah, I run two of these as my second line. They they always do their job, which is put fear in my opponent's eyes when they see them across the table. And then I explain, look, on average, look, average, quotation marks, 
they only do six wounds to defense five. And then I proceed to roll it off the off the charts. And the only reason I don't have three units is yeah, the models are just so difficult. But they do look good once they're put together. The best way to roll really well with these guys is to tell your opponent on average they only do six wounds. <laughs> your next roll is gonna be amazing. That that almost guarantees you'll uh roll a bunch of sixes and fives on your on your on your rolls, so yeah. Well, should we get into the war engines? They've, they've got two of them, right? They've got the volley gun and they have the howitzer. The volley gun hits on fives, 12 attacks. He's 911 nerve and 85 points. And it's piercing two with a 24 inch range and the reload special rule. It does have uh, all the keywords artillery, halfling, ravenous, and tinker. Uh, the howitzer is exactly the same uh, artillery, halfling, ravenous, and tinker, but it only has two attacks hitting on fives. And it has a 48 inch range with blast D3 plus one and ignores obscured indirect. So you can't shoot something within 12 inches and piercing three with reload for 90 points. So. Terry Erickson does ask, I really like the idea of war machines, but I've tried to use both with poor results. Is there a way war machines can work within the halfling list? Maybe the uh, the volley gun to have that zone of nope. Except for the same thing that all war engines kind of in, in the game right now. War engines aren't really in a good place. Uh, interesting that the howitzer didn't get secured position. I think that would have been a a nice change. Maybe you'd see, see some play, but I think the howitzer's... It's probably the one unit in the list that just doesn't see play. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, secure position would be nice on the howitzer because uh, halflings don't really have something that wants to sit in the far, far back and, and shoot like dwarves do or, or rack, and, for example. In theory, both of these units are really important to the list because they're a large answer to how you deal with high defense. In reality, in current Kings of War in 2023, there's too many armies out there with with stealth that just makes five up war engines silly and a waste of points. You have Night Stalkers, you have Twilight Kin, which can get uh, access easy access to stealthy. You have Varinger, you have Ogres, um, who you want to shoot shield breakers, except for the fact that that's where their stealthy bubble is going to go every time when they're facing you. So, in theory. These these units should be taken, especially because you have cheap hordes and unlocking efficiency with Braves. In reality, you know, Felix and the other people in the RC are going to have to figure out in the next cycle or the next edition how to balance that Stealthy versus uh, War Engine thing. Because right now it's it's too far in favor of Stealthy. And that's, that's just the reality. I think Volley Guns work well in conjunction with other shooting like Poachers and things like that. But Howitzers are a real tough sell i could see making like that like i said that zone of nope like hey this third of the table like you don't want to put anything in there uh but yeah at that point like i said uh, like, like tom is alluding to like just war engines are just not in a good space right now in terms of kings of war as it currently sits in like you said in 2023 so i'll let smarter people than me come up with the answers to that one but you know yeah so yeah i don't i, I can't think of a way that I would use them in a list. And when I played against uh, uh, my opponent at Michigan GT, uh, he had two. Cool. Uh, I completely said nope to that side of the table, but we were playing control. And I just, I just threw a, uh, a scoring unit within 12 inches of that, of those guns and just sat there and took that portion of control from him. because they had nothing. So, yeah, I think our answer to high defense for me, at least is brutal. Uh, we have a lot of access to that or, or picking up flank charges. With your generally high defense units are pretty slow, and halflings are very fast, so you can look for that. Think of a volley gun. If you want to take a volley gun, you uh, bring at least at least two, 
And uh, don't bother with, with casting, with getting uh, uh, rally or, I mean, if you have a sorcerer nearby, sure, you can give it rally, but otherwise, don't bother to invest a sorcerer, just get another Voligan instead of a sorcerer to boost them up. So yeah, they, they can do work. They can do work in a specific type of list. But the Howweiser, uh, I, I, I can't see it being ever taken, which is, a, which is a pity. I mean, the model is nice. I mean, I bought a bodyguard and I converted it. Pretty cool model. Uh, I will give you that. Yeah, it's a good model, yes. I have two in my halfling box of, of army, but yeah, I just I, I used them once or twice in like a playtest game, and I was just like, yeah, no, these just aren't. They're, they're war engines in, in Kings of War, so. I have two volley guns that still remain unpainted because I've never worked their way into my list. Gad, let's go into the monsters. I know you're a fan of the Harvester. Yes, I am a fan of the Harvester. So the Harvester is a monster chariot, speed 5, melee 3, which is huge, defense 4, uh, unit strength 1, attacks d6 plus 8, nerf the 13, 15, uh, 140 points. Now the kicker is the special rules, big shield, Brutal, Crushing String 1, Thunderous Charge. It gets all the keywords, Ravenous, Tinker. So this this here is one of the key units in my list, at least the way I play. I, I run two, two Harvesters. They they are like a second line kind of unit. They are they're like anti-chef in a way. You can throw, it, throw them up. Chef will struggle to kill it. it they, they run really well with the Iron Beast. To form like a wall of defense six. So the the the, the attacks is they, they catch people off guard with melee three. So even when hindered hitting on fours, not hindered hit melee three with an average of like ten attacks, which is a lot of attacks for a small frontage. They're great. And they give brutal. I mean so you, you don't have to use your sorcerer to cast brutal. You can use your sorcerer to for something else like rally or Life Leech. So yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome models. I really like them a lot. And there you go. That's my two harvesters over here. So yeah, uh, I think they, they are a unit that you, you need to pair them with something else. Even a Regiment of Braves or Horde of Braves. I've run flanks where I put a Horde of Braves and a Regiment of Harvesters. So you're, you're screwed either way which one you charge. So they're a very good unit. Uh, what, 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 what you guys? How, how, how do you guys use them? I would say with two, you need to pump them rookers up. Uh, those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Uh, I have three that I generally run in the front. Okay, they they do all right, but man, you get those suckers into a flank. Huh, you know, d six plus eight times two. Like man, those things will just delete units if you can get those guys in a flank. And as I said, usually why I run those Braves hordes. You know, I set those guys a little bit back. They get charged. They might not break, and that just you know those those harvesters go in on the flank, and they just delete units. I absolutely love the harvesters. Uh, they're they're like better goblin mincers. Now, granted, goblin mincers are fearless, so they've got that over the harvesters. But you know the goblin mincers are only d six plus six versus the d six plus eight, and the mincers hit on three on fours versus the harvesters hitting on threes, and then plus the harvesters get the advantage to deal with all the stuff in the auras. They can get you know, life leech if I need to keep those guys alive later, late game, or add more brutal uh, if I needed to. You know, yeah, they're just chef's kiss. Love the harvesters. Plus, the model is amazing. Yeah, they're great. If you're rallying them with a sorcerer, then they're what, six more nerve than yeah. a goblin mincer? Yeah, 15, 17. Yeah. They're a lot more durable. I haven't been playing them lately, but man, 
they're just they're just so good. And like I said, and the model's really cool. Nothing like an angry halfling on top of a a, a troll pushing farming equipment. That's <laughs> just I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, it's my favorite model on the list. Yeah, they're basically elite mincers. They synergize well in any list that's trying to take advantage of both types of auras, the Tinker auras and the, the Ravenous auras. They're great grinders. They can, you know, they have defense six to the front. You can bump it up with Life Leech and Radiance of Life if you have overlapping auras on them. Um, Rally is great, too. Get them up to 15, 17 on a very small base, tough to kill. And so I think two and two, two, two of these guys and two of the Iron Beasts is what I would be looking at first. Um, if you're going to go with that type of list, they just they work really well, again, in almost any type of halfling list you can build. I haven't run them historically, but I did I did put one in my list and played it online. Uh, and since then, there's now one on my painting desk. <laughs> it's one of those weird, like, uh, for at least for Mantic, it's that weird, like, cool rules plus a completely awesome model, like getting together is like, yes, like, <laughs> like you almost have to have them on your in on your painting table to put them in your list because I mean it's happening more and more now, but you just didn't, you just did not have those where just like cool model plus cool rules marrying together, so. I think one thing to note that is they are speed five. So in some type of list, they can be left behind. Yep. If you run a lot of cavalry, big speed five. But uh, in my list where I run it with a with a engineer and a sorcerer, so they have a track range of 14, which scares people to no end. You know, you do not want a defense six roadblock blocking up one of your infantry hordes in the middle of the board. So that, that track range is really great for them. Gad, you want to take us into the Iron Beast? Yeah, the Iron Beast is a Titan, speed 5, melee 4, range 4, defense 6. Used to be 1 unit strength, now it's 2. And it's uh, D6 plus 10 attacks, 16, 18 nerf, 2, 10 points. So you can upgrade it to Pride of Shires, uh, one of them, to get Aura Hit Strong. They don't have the Aura Spell Ward anymore you can have an option to upgrade one to get aura hit strong for 15 points. So two 10 points, pretty cheap. Yes, both Ravenous and Tinker rules. It's it's a good roadblock. You don't expect it to do a lot of damage. It does have a decent shooting attack, the Halfling Handgun. 18-inch, 5-shot piercing one with steady aim. And being height 5, you can uh, shoot over infantry uh, with no cover. So that's that's a plus point. So for me, I'm I personally take two, so they they do really well. They some opponents will just focus all their shooting on it, and uh, but you you could generally keep them safe from um, being multi charge. You know, put them in between waves or uh, harvesters. So they, they they do good work, but you can't really expect it to do a lot of damage in combat because it's hitting on fours, d six plus ten attacks, and just CS two. You know, I think it should be CS three. But I think it's CS2 for for balance reasons with Strider. So yeah, I really like this list, but it has to fit your list. Generally, if you take more than one Iron Beast, your list would be a bit slower. Well, I mean, if you're running a primarily infantry list, that's not as important. If you're running Cav, yeah, having the speed five would really be a detriment. William Charles asks in the Facebook, like, could three Iron Beasts be a thing now they all inspire? But then also Matt Goody asks... How viable now they've lost their spell war, spell ward aura? Because for me, that spell ward aura was like 
key to like cinching up what I had the issue I saw with the uh, forest trolls. I'd have them behind the forest trolls. They don't have spell wards. It's like, oh, cool. I have this iron beast. It's got the spell ward now. Well, now they don't have that aura. I don't know. How, how do you guys feel about losing that spell ward aura? Yeah, I find lots of the spell ward aura uh, being more for the aeronauts. Sitting behind infantry with no cover, they're a uh, big lightning bolt target. So it was nice on those. And we've lost it now. So that's a bit of a hit. But the, the headstrong aura is money for me. It's a big reason why I include it. Now that they all inspire, it's like, I'm not certain would three be a thing? Because that's what, 200 and, or 600 whatever points? I don't know, but... Yeah, three is a bit too much. I think three is pushing it. Two is nice. I waffle between one and two. I can see a list with two, because that's a nice little like, hey, here's some inspiring that's defense six. Deal with it. But yeah, three. Yeah, so three is probably a little too much. But yeah, I can see I can see two making probably cover my special my infantry centric lists. The spell aura would be amazing when you're fighting stupid Twilightkin. But I'm I'm all in favor of more spell word in the game right now currently. But these guys with ravenous and tinker keywords, just like the harvester we were just talking about, benefit from from all of the auras in the list. So again, they pair really well with harvesters. I think one iron beast is. Pretty auto-include for most types of halfling lists you can think of. They're just really great support pieces no matter what units you're trying to support them with. So uh, one or two, definitely in the list. And they're they're pretty awesome models. Like I said, I've not tried two in my lists too often. But now that we now that they all inspire, that that might see a second one getting into my list. So and, and now they have unit strength too. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, that's, uh, the Instrument 2 stuff, that's big for you. Because, I mean, as much as you would think, like, I sometimes struggle with the amount of Unistrength we can bring into the list. Uh, but that's just, that could just my list build stuff. But yeah, having that extra Unistrength 2, that's that's big. Plus the model's awesome. Just a, a chef's on the back cooking sausages. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that, which is why I replaced it with the other one. But it's easy to convert because that top isn't necessarily part of the model. It's easier to, to move, remove that and add other stuff in. Like adding a volley gun on top like, like I did, so... So let's keep going. Uh, the engineer is the next unit, um, and I think our first hero in the list that we're going to talk about tonight. So the engineer is my favorite hero. He is speed five, melee five, range four, defense four, um, has four attacks with his halfling carbine, uh, which is an 18-inch pierce one gun, and he inspires, interestingly enough. Um, he's got a couple auras, Wild Charge Aura, plus one for Tinker, Radiance of Life for Tinker. Uh, you can swap the Carbine for a Long Rifle for 15 points, uh, which gives you uh, range three up, ranged 24-inch, uh, three attack, piercing two attack, chef's kiss to that. And then it has Gadgets and Gizmos, which for five points you can give a single core friendly infantry unit the Tinker and Iron Resolve special role. So if you're going to make, if you're going to take a horde of the um, stalwarts and an engineer, that th- this is where those five points should be going, in my opinion. Um, and you can make a pretty nice, inspiring Iron Resolve elite uh, stalwart unit. Yeah, I agree. I, I tell you, the funniest part when I'm playing against people, when I'm shooting at units in cover, I'm like, all right, I got my three attacks hitting on fours. They're like, oh, they're, they're in cover. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, 
They're like, because I guess the fact they hit on threes right. shooting with that with that long rifle just blows their mind. Like, what? They hit on threes? Like, okay. Until I played with the long rifle, I didn't think it was worth the the points. But uh, playing with it, yes, it's a very good upgrade. I absolutely love the engineer. He's he's great. The engineer I ran at Clash had all four upgrades fully tooled out. I mean, but it's worth the points, right? I mean, you're getting that radiance of yeah. light going on that wild charge i mean mm. of all the upgrades the wild charge one is kind of kind of eh, it's there but i i don't generally use it all that much but man like all the other upgrades are just money for me it's like why not only downside for me is i frequently forget to nominate a unit to be my uh my one to upgrade to iron resolve and uh tinker but that's just that's me that, that's a felix problem that's not a list problem yeah, that's definitely a felix problem not not anybody else so uh so just keep keep in mind kids Remember to nominate that unit when you when you start the game. So yeah, it's it's fantastic. I think it's the I think it's the only other character other than the knights centurion with a three plus shooting attack. It's almost busted, you know. Even cover or stealthy, you know, still hitting on the force. He shoots every single turn of the game, being twenty four inches. I run two, and they do a lot of work. You know, they 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 cut chaff mid game, end game. They can just pyong, uh bring some damage on. Something trying to contest an objective. I spent turns chasing after units in a corner, trying to shoot them off. They're great. I mean, and they inspire. So they, they they do everything that you want in a in a in a hero. I agree. They definitely are not quite an auto include, but strong argument for it in in all of my halfling lists. I think if you're not tinker heavy, they're not a they're far from an auto include. I think if you are tinker heavy, yes, one or two of these guys definitely wants to be in your list. Yeah, I don't think you want to try to play it like goblins and take three as sort of the goblin whiz replacement. It's just too expensive and it doesn't work the same way. I've tried it. Um, yeah, just one, one to two, I agree. One, ideally, it fits into most lists, I think. Yeah, you lose a little bit of redundancy because the auras don't overlap if you're running two, so I think one's generally enough. Otherwise, fantastic unit. I absolutely love the engineers. Um, you just need that one wound on something. Like they're pretty good for that. You can do the muster captain. So basically, uh, we identified this was the banner guy. You know, because make the banner guys great again. We were kind of like, okay, this is the banner guy. I argued for the the sergeant, but muster captain guy. Add the very inspiring special rule. This is in the Clash Twenty Four. Uh, removing inspiring and then getting the following options: the sure-footed captain, which gives the aura strider ravenous only for fifteen points. So this will again what we were mentioning earlier. Uh, so the muster captain's got speed five, melee three plus, defense five, five attacks, twelve fourteen nerve, eighty points. He's crushing one individual and very inspiring, mighty and spell ward. Um, you can put him on a mer- miniature Arales for 35 points and then give him relentless for five points. He's got ha- uh, halfling and ravenous keywords. So uh, this is the guy we were referring to earlier about uh, adding that to your, their cavalry lists and stuff like that to give that strider aura to allow your cav to go in unhindered. Uh, this changes a lot of what we do because, you know, we don't have a whole lot of terrain mitigation with the list uh, Forest trolls and aeronauts, notwithstanding, but this completely opens up what we have. So like, I think it was Tom saying like a, a list that can almost just completely ignore terrain. And it's not a, it's not a unique upgrade either. So you can have two of these guys, if you want to have two cavalry wings or something. Um, I think generally you don't want to do that, but you, you could. Yeah. I, I think we've talked enough about this guy or in the context of other units, it's, it's just a really 
I mean, Cav sucks unless it's Cav that's nimble and has Trider, in which case it starts getting interesting again. So, um, yeah, try this guy out. He's especially with the new juggers. That's a just gives the halfling list a, another option, a way to use all those Cav units that you get in uh, in the army boxes. Yeah, like all the other heroes, there's a place for him in. In a certain build, um, you can find the use for him. He's not a he's not going to be an auto include in every single list, but if you build around that aura, it's going to be very nice. Yeah, and and uh, I think he's, he can't be under, underestimated as uh, as a uh, as a supporting piece in combat. Still has fire attack, CS one on trees, and he he's he he's got strider himself, so he's always going to hit on trees. And I think you could if you could afford the relentless, it could be good if you really need to ground a flyer. The relentless uh, helps. So yeah, it's it's definitely a good good way to get people to use the all the tons of cavalry they have for buying all the halfling models. I'll go over the the sergeant. So the sergeant is our budget version of the muster captain. Basically, he's speed five, melee three, defense five, uh, individual uh, hero uh, infantry, three attacks, ten twelve nerve for fifty five points. Uh, comes with crushing strength one, individual inspiring, and spell ward. Upgrade options, you can mount on uh, miniature arrow layers, making him cavalry speed 8 uh, for 25 points. You can gain scout for 10 points, which I did not know was an option until now. Uh, but you can't take that in addition to the mount, so I don't see why you would take that. You can give him a bow for 18-inch shots. Uh, what is it? Three attacks on fours for 10 points. You can buy a relentless for 5 points. You can give him the standard of Hodenberg. So this will give this guy aura elite melee infantry only for 25 points. So I run a sergeant in my in my clash list on a mount naked for uh, 80 points. He was my fast, inspiring chaff piece where I'd throw him in, ho- <laughs> hope to do a wound. There were a couple of occasions where he did it um, just to pin something in place. With the, the muster captain now being a lot more viable, I'm not sure if you'd include a sergeant, but especially with that standard of Hodenberg, um, you can definitely build around that. Has anyone else run this guy? I have. I was using it kind of in the Eric Trowbridge way he used his uh, crushers in his list that won Masters in U.S. Masters in 2020. Just like, hey, I just need to run up and disorder something or I need to run and ground something. But my meta just hadn't seen that amount of stuff that needed to get locked down. So I kind of, I have three painted up, but never used more than one. Um, but yeah, you're right with the with the sure-footed captain and all that stuff. I, I might just pay the extra what twenty five points and 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 use the the muster captain. Yeah, you get more attacks, so he's more reliably going to do that one wound, and you're getting more nerve and the aura. Yeah, and, and he's mighty just in case, like you just need to block up a charge and he doesn't. It doesn't actually, uh, you know, do the wound. He still is mighty versus the sergeant. So, has anyone tried the standard of Hodenberg? I wouldn't take it unless you're going multiple stalwart for some reason. I have seen some people do that, but I think that's the only way it's really worth anything. Um, I could also see him if you want some inspiring for your poachers and you don't want to take a alley. You could give this guy scout and a bow, which I wish was 24 inches to shoot with the poachers. But if you feel like you absolutely need inspiring to scout up with those poacher units, then I could see him being an option. Otherwise, 
Yeah, you're probably leaving the sergeant at home in most lists. Show the feastmaster for for scouting up with the poachers, but I'm sure we'll get to that. If you can't do the feastmaster because the points are an issue, you could do this because I know somebody was bemoaning, you know, the loss of the formation because that you know the, the the poachers lost the inspiring self. You need to do a cheaper one. That's like what eighty something points to be able to scout with the uh, sergeant. No, uh, 65 points. So yeah, you can definitely use that dude and just scout him up with the, with the guys and be able to, you know, in, inspire those poachers and, and get them into combat. So yeah, it's a box standard three attack hero. I think it's, it's good. I've actually tried to run it with scout and, uh, the diadem of dragon kind. So what it does, you scout up, you, you should use the diadem of dragon kind in tandem with poachers and other shooting. It's, it's, it's fun, but it's not the best use of points. I, I would say next up is, Sorcerer. That's right. Sorcerer. The, the the unit in the army that makes it the most unique, in my opinion, is the Sorcerer. Uh, heavy infantry. Speed 5, melee 5, defense five, 4 plus. It's got 1 attack, 911 nerve, never forget. Uh, 80 points. It's got the individual and spell ward. You can mount it on Aerolez for 25 points to give it speed 8, changing it to hero cav. But what it is, the what it uh, adds and kind of is a potential engine to your list. It's not 100% needed, but a thing is gastromancy. Read the read it again. So unless disordered, immediately before giving this unit a unit movement order, pick one of the following special rules and roll 3 dice. If any of the dice score a 4 plus, apply the special rule to this until the start of the next movement phase. If a n value is listed in the special rule, it is equal to the number of the dice roll that score a four plus so your your auras you have three auras and then rally so rally is for n ravenous only you've got wild charge plus n ravenous only brutal n aura ravenous only and then life leech plus n ravenous only with the class 24 you have a new option of for the foot version called halfling hot pot so when this unit rolls to determine the defects of gastromancy, it may re-roll any results of a one for plus 10 points and cannot be taken with a mount. So to kind of when they mentioned it to me in the RC, I was like, I never really take the guy on dog, but okay, cool. We'll, we'll buff the person on foot. Uh, but just to give person buff the person on, on foot, because like I said, I've had enough times where I've gotten absolutely nothing. Uh, one game I played, I remember my gastromancy only ever went off twice. And that was in a game that went to turn seven and it was on turn seven and turn like four that actually had anything, everything that just, that was my game to run ones, roll ones, twos and threes on that one. So it happens, but uh, so that's a change in, in clash 24 is to give that, that foot version additional ability to reroll a one. And that goes along with the model, right? Felix, the, the female saucer coming out of a, a hot pot. I know Daniel Bird asked a question about the best items on the saucer. They mentioned Wings of Honey Maze. I've never taken that on a saucer. I have taken it with Sacred Horn, though. So anybody else have any ideas like what the better items to put? The options are lean to a Sacred Horn or Inspiring Talisman. If I'm on a horse, uh, usually I take Inspiring Talisman, as you can then get that Inspiring where it needs to be as well. If you're on foot, it's a, it's a bit less maneuverable, so I tend towards a Sacred Horn. And generally, I've got an Iron Beast for Inspiring anyway. Um, I haven't run what lightning bolt you can take or bane chant. I haven't tried those, but I could see those being viable as well. For me, I, as Max was saying, I take the the boomstick. 
So that pairs well with my two engineers. It gives another 24-inch shooting. I, I tried the loot, but most of my army is, is uh, spellwatt, so that doesn't really work. It works if you have a lot of trolls in your army, uh, trolls or harvesters. So yeah, I don't think Wings of Honeymoon is worth it. I mean, you, you can move at a double and still get aura. So t- technically, you can give the aura 16 inches left or right yeah that's one thing too because it's not it's not a it's not an attack it's something that happens in your movement phase so you can sort of you can move at the double so i don't really wings is i don't know i mean you're already defense four so to go down to defense three i don't know um like i said i've used i i definitely use inspiring talisman if i'm i feel like i'm short of inspiring within that like central battle line if I'm not short on inspiring, I use the sacred horn to expand those those three auras out. But yeah, I, I haven't really thought of too many. I haven't used it like boomstick or something like that because for me, the less I guess quote unquote threatening the saucer looks to my opponent, the safer they'll probably be. If it's like, oh yeah, I need to kill that lightning bolt caster, they might get targeted more. But that just could be me, and my paranoia. The main reason I, ha- I haven't run the spell items on the sorcerer is you can move the double and still use gastromancy, which is important if you're trying to keep up with your battle line or trying to get that aura where it needs to be. So if you're going five inches on foot and trying to cast a lightning bolt, I feel like it could get left behind. Yeah, it just depends on what um, other units you're trying to support with the sorcerer. So if you're trying to support cab, you don't want to take main champ because the cab has spell word. So in that case, you take hex or or lightning bolt or something like that, um, or or nothing. Nothing is perfectly fine. Um, or I guess inspiring talisman with cav is is might maybe something I would do as well. If it's on foot, you probably have other inspiring near it. So especially with the spell word change um, to the iron beast, where it's not giving an aura of spell word anymore. I think Bane Chant is the way to go with these guys. Um, you can build a pretty nice grind list in Halflings, actually, or a nice grind component where you're getting Radiance of Life and Life Leech and, uh, you know, Bane Chant. Rally as well. Yeah, Rally. Any newer players listening, the reason we're talking about items to give the saucers because the aura is not a spell, so you can do both at the same time. You can make turn the aura on and then also cast a spell at the same time. Uh, I, I feel you either hate it or you love it. Like our other local halfling player hates it. It's like he it doesn't work for him. Like 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 what Felix says, he rolls one two threes, one two threes. So even when he's trying out with a new item, he rolls twos and threes. He doesn't roll ones. So I, I the way I play it, I use it for the trap. No, I don't rely on it for the wild charge tree. I don't rely on it to get charges or whatnot. I just use it to just threaten to just uh keep my opponent aware that I can give an extra three inches of uh, charge to any of my units nearby. I, I do love it when uh, my opponent's like, hey, that harvester, what, what's his charge rating? I was like, you know, 10 to 13. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I could not do any gastromancy or I could roll a three on my three dice and then get charge 13 inches. So plan for that. Yeah, and they'll set their unit 14 inches away and you've achieved your goal and you go ahead and use rally. <laughs> The thing I like about this when it comes to unit design or list design is that you don't need a gastroman and need a saucer. Like I've seen lists do well without them. Yeah, especially the Tinker Heavy style with engineers. Mm. You definitely don't need it. Especially where you can get the uh the brutal either from the harvester or from EJ Granny Gears. 
Yeah, so it's important to note that they don't overlap, right? They don't stack. Yeah, I, I've had nope. plenty of time where I'm like, I need to, I want to get brutal two or more, but I don't have anything else to really cast or to do my gastromancy on. So I'm like, ah, well, I guess I'll try and do brutal, and it's like, oh, I get one. Okay, that's a waste of brutal. The other thing to point out, just so you're not cheating, um, is you can roll three successes with rally, but you can only ever get up to rally two. So you can't you can't get rally three, unfortunately. Rally is capped at two, uh, but all the other ones are not. So you can get brutal three, you can get wild charge three, you can get life leech three. Does anyone do life leech all that often? Because I really don't, because so much of the stuff hits on fives. It's like eh. I've used life leech once, which is well, I was in a spot where everything was damaged and had a couple of wounds on it, and it was just better than rally in that spot. But otherwise, generally, yeah, I'm just casting rally, and then once the once lines engage, I'll choose rally or brutal whichever feels more appropriate and wild charge is just there as a threat i generally don't use a wild charge and scott asked this may be a felix question both because you're the the background guy and the rc guy why doesn't halfling why don't they have battle wizards in the book the halflings had a few i don't know if it's i I, like i don't read it as you know they're averse to magic which is funny because actually in the in the book broken alliance they kind of uh attribute the the spell ward to like they basically carry like copper grounding wires with their battle standards so any lightning bolt actually just goes straight from their you know hits that lightning wire and it goes straight into the ground it doesn't affect them as much so it's not like a they hate magic yeah i don't know i don't know why they 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 don't really care for it as much as other armies and why they don't have wizards per se um that might be a balancing i don't know um like i said that was all developed before i joined the rc so i I couldn't give you a good answer but well should you take us into the feast master yes we can that is the feast master that is the kind of the duelist assassin type character uh why it's the feast master was because with with vanguard it was the whole like fighting before the fighting and these guys would be the foragers they would go out ahead of the main uh line and 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 get food uh for the halflings so anyways feastmaster he's a hero heavy infantry he's a speed five melee three plus range four plus and defense four plus he's got five attacks 11 13 nerve 90 points he's crushing strength one duelist individual inspiring uh scout and spell ward he's got his throwing cleaver with 12 inch uh, range and piercing one uh, with Clash 24, you give them the option to gain Relentless for 5 points, and then you can put him on an Aralez for 25 points. So changing him from, uh, he loses Scout, but gains uh, Speed 8, and then changes it to Hero Cav. Um, he's got the Halfling, Ravenous, Rogue, and Tracker keywords. I've only used the model to sub in for my alley when I was testing out the formation. Uh, has anyone else used this guy? Yeah, I've tried out the Feastmaster recently in a poacher heavy build. The idea being he can scout up with the poachers, keep them inspired, uh, contribute to shooting with the, the throwing cleaver, which is not bad, actually. Range four, piercing one, steady aim. Uh, and then I've, I've put a, a gnome glass shield on him. So as the enemy closes in on the poachers, you charge him in to pin something for hopefully a couple of turns. So it did work really well. I just often find including multiple individual individuals is, is tough. And I end up cutting him because of points. 
And I know uh, Scott Sally, uh, he asks about a named Feastmaster of Rorting Gamzee. He's obviously been listening to Dave Fanning a little bit too much. Uh, no. Yeah, so I think they need a, a named Feastmaster called Dave Fetting. <laughs> <laughs> that I can work on. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like the Feastmasters see enough. I don't know. It just Assassin characters, I... In the beginning of third edition, I saw assassin characters a lot more with the duelists and stuff like that. I just haven't seen a whole lot lately, I guess, because maybe maybe it's because players have gotten a lot better at hiding their individuals and making sure that you can't get mm. to them. I don't know. What does everyone else think about assassin characters? Yeah, my, my thoughts here are like there's been a certainly in the U.S. There's a, a pushback against non-scoring units. So, you know, you really got to really need an individual you know, there's got, it's got to be doing something great for you to take an individual. Many people, there are people that still take them. And I think because you don't see maybe as many individuals and to your point, if you like said they hide them so well, you tuck them up behind a horde, you know, you can't really get to them. The effectiveness of bringing a duelist or an assassin character. I mean, it's the same why same. You don't see the assassin from, well, there's a bunch of lists that have them. Right. And you barely ever see them taking a character like that. You're trying to kill a preferably killing an individual. But it's probably better off if you buy something else that'll help you, right? Like whether it's a, a standard. And now that you have the upgrade to all of the the, the army standard type folks, uh, I think there's even going to be less reason to take them. Now, situationally, what Max said is true. You know, this this guy has more than an assassin. He's also a scout that can stick. You know, he if you if you have a reason to take him place to your build, then I think you would still take him. But you're not taking this guy to kill other characters. I don't think. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, and look, in that build I ran, ran him with the poachers, he did perform quite well. It's just not every build's going to have space for another individual. Especially when we, we have so many good individuals in the list, Engineer, Sorcerer. So the Feastmaster, as, it's a bit pricey for the points, but do know that it's 11.13. It's a bit high nerf for individual. And I've run it with the Wings of Honeymaze. It's fun, not optimal, but you can scout 20 inches and just hunt war machines. And with the Wings... You could probably charge a character or two. Otherwise, the Gnomeglass shield works well. I mean, it fits the model. I mean, if if it's halfling, it's it's a uh, it's made for smaller humanoids. So there's nothing else. We're going to head to the Gunnery Sergeant on Troll, which is one of my more favorite uh, characters to have. Or you know, individuals are not individuals, but uh, heroes in the list. Um, so you have the Gunnery Sergeant on Troll. Uh, he's height three, so he's on a troll. Uh, he's a hero, large infantry. He's got speed six, melee three, range four plus, defense five plus. He's one unit strength. He's got five attacks. He's 13, 15 nerve, and he's 130 points. Uh, for special rules, he's uh, crushing one. He's got inspiring, nimble, pathfinder, and regen five plus. And he's got a pencil gun, range 18 inches. Uh, Relentless for five points. And he's got the halfling, tinker, and troll keywords. And in Clash 24, he adds the piercing one special rule to that gun and then adds the, well, already has Tinker keyword, but whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, I love these guys. Uh, it's really fun to charge something in the flank in the woods and you got 10 attacks. They're like, ah, oh, they're hindered. And they're like, no, they're not. They got Pathfinder. So it's 10 attacks hitting on threes, crushing one. So sit down, young man. They're fun. And adding the, the, the piercing one, I think, kind of goes to the same, like, it's still a gun, right? <laughs> like, 
that doesn't change the i mean i get not having steady aim because they're riding on top of this kind of a dumb beast that's kind of moving around kind of not necessarily uh responding to what the sergeant wants but you know it's still a gun physics still is a thing so so yeah piercing one so what does everyone else think about this uh particular hero yeah these guys are amazing they're just such a good kings of war unit they have the right amount of shooting to just clear chaff they're inspiring like felix was saying they're they're pathfinder um, these guys over the unit version have defense five, so that just pairs even better with the regen five that that both units have. So they're really good counter shooting. You just move up into terrain, and now you're going to plink at you know glide stalkers or whatever else that you're finally in range in, and they're shooting you back in cover when you have defense five and regen. And with Tinker, you know, you could potentially get right into life or something like that to top it off. So I've had a lot of games where these guys are the ones left standing when everything else is dead um, and win me the game. So I I take two to three in a lot of my lists. They're just they're pretty amazing. I haven't had them make too many of my lists lately. I think it's because I was just trying out with other stuff. But yeah, they are uh, again. I think right now we've all kind of kind of uh, as a as a community have centered on, you know, nimble 40 to 50 mil characters as really good within the community. So these are that and they're inspiring. Especially ones that do multiple jobs. Right. And they can do multiple jobs. They can do chaff clearance. They can hit things in combat and they inspire. So, yeah, I haven't run them before. As I said, I don't run trolls in my list, but everything Tom said is is true about them and yeah they're, they're just very good <laughs> maybe i should paint some up well it's a good part about the uh, troll kit is that it actually comes with the trolls and then the guys aren't attached per se so you can just kind of uh add them on with magnetics magnets or whatever and you can kind of feel both oh, and i can use the trolls in my goblin army well tom take us into this mustard captain on wing as which is also a unit that we see in most lists yeah, it's a common unit. So it's the it's the typical flying monster, uh, speed ten, melee three, defense five, seven attacks, fourteen sixteen nerve. It's got crush two, thunder one, fly, inspiring, iron resolve, nimble, spell word, um, and you can take uh, relentless like we were talking about earlier. This is one of the units that you may consider taking that that upgrade on again in a list that can struggle with heavy defense having uh, a crush two thunder one flyer coming into the flank of something is is pretty handy spell word means that one of the bigger weaknesses of uh some of the taller flying monsters getting shot at early um is is lessened so that's a really nice rule to have for this type of unit yeah i don't know they're they're great they you you need some speed ten, I think, in most lists, unless you're playing a radically different different style. These guys are, I think, are pretty important to the halflings. What about that price? 195 seems expensive, but he has a lot of rules, so he's expensive for halflings. But 195 points, nerves kind of okay, but like, man, you get a lot of stuff out of that, and then. I've noticed unless my opponents put a lot into that guy, just the fact he's got iron resolve, like just annoys the hell out of my opponent. I don't leave without at least two of them. Frequently earlier on, I was running three. I might go back to running three. It just depends on how you are with running your flyers. But man, you can get so much use out of those guys. They got a lot of rules. And the fact they're crush two thunder one versus crush one thunder two is amazing. 
it's it's so good for your points. I mean, to get for you know, was it three hundred and ninety points to get two speed ten flyers nimble with crush two thunder one. There's also ravenous benefits from the the sorcerer, right? Correct. Yes. And if I've ever decided to run Trickster's one, I put it on that guy because he's speed five and is spell ward. So if you want to do the whole counter hex thing, cool. I've got spell ward. So try and counter hex me. If not, oh, well, I'm still speed 10, crush two, thunder one, hitting on threes. If you, you destroy my Trickster's one, I can still go in and hit stuff. So it's a good platform to have. Um, like I said, I, I usually have three, although one of them, the sword broke on the model. So I have to repaint a new one or figure out a way to fix it or else like, you should give him like a wooden spoon. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea to fix as the blade fell off. Did Mantic miss an opportunity to call him the mustard mustard captain? Ah, that's 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 <laughs> not knowing how uh, militias work and stuff like that. But yeah, I get it. I'm on my uh, Kara, my regular opponent, always calls him the mustard captain. So I'm like, Ugh. well, it didn't help that they painted most of the armor yellow. Yeah, well, the halfling colors in the in the in the book are green and yellow. So yeah, definitely. Uh, doesn't help much. The great unit, uh, one of the, the, the other local halfling player, he runs three or he runs two. So he tends to run two of them on one flank instead of one on each flank. So that really controls one flank of the board. As uh, Max was saying, it's 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 perfect for, for combo charging. For halflings, you always want to be combo charging. It gives CS2 crushing crushing and melee tree. So yeah, it's super, it's a, it's a great model as well. Yeah, and it's small and fast and nimble, so it can fit into combo charges, which is important. When I try to get them, at least on the initial charge, I try to get the uh, Mustard Captain in with the Edge Grenadiers. That way I have mm. something that's probably going to do a lot of damage with the Mustard Captain, and then I get the Brutal D3 with the Edge Grenadiers. And then it makes my opponent have that choice of, like, which one I actually want to take out, you know? You might not take out the Mustard Captain in one go, depending on what you're fighting, countercharging with. But then that's the inspiring for the Edge Grenadier, so that you're forcing your opponent to make that decision which one they want to actually want to countercharge. So Tarek Erickson does ask, what is the better flank threat? A winged arrowes or aeronauts? My my guess is it's the winged arrowes just because smaller base, easier to get into a flank. Um speed ten versus speed seven. And nimble. It's it's kind of hard to flank to get the aeronauts in a good position to flank without nimble. Um you definitely want to try to be hitting flanks with aeronauts, but that's after your opponents crash into your line. So uh, just a pure flank threat for sure, winged arrows. Yeah, the aeronauts work work better as a second wave sitting behind your front line, whereas the, the arrows works better out on the flank, looking looking for flank t- charges. Well, let's get in. We've got three unique units. We've got Aaron Catawaller. Uh He's a heavy infantry individual character, speed five, melee three, defense five. He's got five attacks, 13, 15 nerve, and 110 points, and he's got aura, nimble infantry only. Crushing Strength 1, Individual Mighty Spell Ward, very inspiring, and the Halfling and Ravenous keyword. He's 110 points. Anybody ever take this guy? If he gave Ordered March instead of Nimble, then I would consider it. That might be something, uh, but right now there's not a lot of reason. Giving Nimble to crappy infantry units does, because you want to be taking regiments really to get a benefit from that Nimble. Horge don't benefit from Nimble that much. Um, so no, I, I, I've never seen anybody. Sorcerer is just a much better support caster for, for your infantry line. Yeah, it's a pity because uh, Aaron, his backstory in the Broken Alliance book is pretty good. I mean, he is the main protagonist of that of that book and it's he's quite an inspiring character. So I think maybe giving Aura all that much would fit his, uh, his story better as well. Let's get into the Greedy Guts. He's a hero, heavy infantry. 
uh, speed five, melee three plus, defense four plus. He's got eight attacks. He's dash 16. Uh, he's 115 points, and he's got crushing strength one, dread, individual life leech three, mighty, wild charge D3. He's got halfling and ravenous. Now, I like the model. This is this big fat guy, right? On a base. He's, he's a, it's just a cool model. Are you guys running this character? He's a pain in the ass, I'll tell you that much. Dash 16, life leech 3 with 8 attacks. He's a little bit slow. He's a good counter chaff piece. The times I've ran him, you know, my opponent goes to chaff me up, I throw greedy, greedy guts into him, which is like, cool. <laughs> greedy guts will just single-handedly take care of those things, and yeah, he's a seriously annoying counter chaff piece, but a great model, too. I should really love the, the model for, for greedy guts, but yeah. Doesn't make it into my serious quote-unquote serious tournament list, though. The nice thing, though, about Halflings is they have a lot of, other, like, units that inspire, so, like, the Iron Beast or the Stalwart upgrade. Um, so you can take heroes that don't have inspiring. I think Greedy Guts fits into the idea that Halflings want to be combo charging with a bunch of different things. He's pretty easy to, to combo charge with, given the individual and the and the smaller base size. He hits pretty hard for what... Yeah, with eight attacks. Yeah, he's a fine unit. I haven't seen him, people take him too much, but... There's nothing wrong with him. I need to try him out. Yeah, the main weakness is he gets outshone by the sorcerer and the engineer, at which point you struggle to fit too many individuals in. Last up, we have Allie McSween. Uh, we used to see her a lot, part of that formation. She's speed six, melee three, range four, defense four, attacks five, 11, 13, nerve, 105 points, and crushing strength one, duelist, individual, inspiring self. Scout spell word stealthy, throwing daggers 12 inch with piercing one, and she's got the rule master thief. Enemy units within six inches of Alley may not use their magical artifact when attacking in combat. When Alley is attacking an enemy unit in combat, she may choose to use a magical artifact held by the enemy unit she's engaged with, excluding one use only items. And she's got a bunch of the keywords, but you're not using Alley McSween, are you? No, no, there's no reason to. I- it's just the same problem that we were talking about with the Feastmaster. It's just her plus some, you know, so uh, I'm not taking her. When I talked to, to Paige about this, because, uh, yes, we were talking about you, to, about you, God. Yeah, and, uh, basically, like, that ability is, is neat, but it's kind of like, a okay, well, you already, you already have her. It's not something you actually necessarily take her for. My opponents that I normally play with don't take a lot of items, so I've never been able to use that ability. When it goes off, it's fun. But otherwise, I think the, the difference with her and the Feastmaster and the other scouting characters, it's speed 6. So speed 6, you can scout 12. Uh, she really did a lot of work for me in uh, Clash. I mean, opponents were scared of her. It was quite hilarious where, where she charged... Uh, Regiment of uh regiment of uh nine heart pierces with fire oil and use the fire oil on them because since they regenerate. But it wouldn't have mattered because they're the defense tree anyway. Yeah, it's it's a good unit to go after other shooting units. I think with spellwort and stealthy, it's hard to take her off. I think the only thing that she fears is uh dualist units itself. So it's it's a fun character. I converted one out of a See, I, I gave a regular halfling knives, so I just go around throwing knives. It's just a fun unit to use. Not inspiring, it's painful though. If you actually have the actual Alan McSween model, she is tiny compared to... She's almost like a gnome. Yeah, she's tiny. Because she's, she, she's a, actually a Dungeon Saga character. So she's really tiny compared to the way the halflings are sized today. So Compared to the other halflings, she's like a one-hit shorter than them. 
I use that in the brief regiment, so yeah. We covered the formation earlier, but I think it's 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 good to circle back. A lot of armies have had formations. This is no exception that have been eliminated. So we used to see McSween's cutthroats. You know, it made the poachers a little better, and uh, it gave uh, Rampage Malay D3 to, to Ally McSween, and that was cool. But now that's been replaced with wild sorcery. Just talk to us about the RC's process. How did you go about deciding which formations should be replaced? And I guess also the question that's come up is why couldn't you just add another formation? The generally about not just switching out or just not adding formations is because not every army has an additional formation. So we don't necessarily need to have, you know, maybe 13 of the 28 armies with, you know, two formations versus the three. And, and granted, there's only a handful of us to come up with these formations. And there's only one Tom to play test them all. Only one Tom to play test them all. He's got young kids and all this stuff. He's a tired. He, he doesn't have all the time in the world. So, so that's kind of that. And then for us, it was the, well, we were going to change these poachers already. I didn't really care for the mixed wing text. So uh was okay to not have that formation. And then we wanted to do the, what Ronnie had mentioned of making formations out of ambush starter boxes. So this is a perfect time to do it. And so that's when other guys were just like, hey, we'll do this with the, the spear spikes and make them gastromancy and uh, allow the two other troops of you know wild runners to, to do the stuff. So that's kind of where we're at when it comes to the formations, uh, where our thinking is. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to that. We're just like, hey, let's let's try and do something, especially especially in the halflings where, you know, the the changes to the poachers kind of rendered the formation kind of like, why, why would you take the formation besides the inspiring self? Yeah, not necessary. I've always kind of thought of formations as seasonal. I've always fully expected the formations to come and go with the season. So Max, is the new formation, the Wild Saucery, is it a lot better? I mean, just give me a sense of what your thoughts are. Is it an improvement? I know the old formation was good, although I never ran it. I think the new formation is amazing. It's also an excellent design from the RC. Like building this formation into your list isn't a point and click is it powerful does it work in and of itself does it work independently it's not a, a formation that you're just going to put out on the flank by itself and let it go it's something that you're going to build into your list thinking about how am i going to use each of these individual units which is awesome design honestly and it's i think it's just very powerful formation as well having a, a gastromancy unit that scores while also giving out that buff and having fearless chaff out on your flank it's just perfect I've been yeah really enjoying building it into my list. It's not what we would call like a combat group. Like that by itself, you still probably need a saucer or something else to to really make that run. It, it gets you thinking: Where am I gonna? How am I gonna position my spear spikes to get the most out of that aura? It's it's not something you just you know take for the raw power level and and push it forward. Does anybody else have any comments just comparing the formations or any other? I know we talked a little bit about it back when we talked about the units that were in it, but. Anybody else have anything they want to say? Tom's like, I've said everything I want to say about formations. Don't complain. We, you can take five, four of poachers now, so it's, I'm all in favor. I'm sorry calling you Tom the Spam Master. <laughs> well, let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we're going to get into you know overall impressions of the changes from Clash of Kings. We'll talk about how you play this army in a competitive environment, and we'll, we'll share some lists. We'll be right back. I'm Andrew Whitehead. The reason Direct Misfire keeps calling Undead S-Tier, and you're listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to Countercharge. And as promised before the break, let's get into just an overall discussion of the army and how it's going to play in 2024. How would you describe the changes for 2024 the unit strength 2 change means you can take multiple iron beasts more easily now so i think you'll see 
maybe two iron beasts instead of instead of one i think the you'll, you may see some troll gunners now you're definitely going to see more gunner resurgence on trolls that pierce one for free is is just incredible value um and then yeah we've mentioned it a bunch but the but the poacher change is is major uh, because it's an unlocking unit um you can make different style lists uh, with the with the poachers so that was that was something that halflings didn't really have before other than that though they i think you're it's still a new army so there wasn't major changes that were needed nor nor given so it's just more options which is always nice because I said, we were just now starting to, I guess as a community, figure out what halflings were as an army. So there were more changes than I was even expecting, even with me being me, me, the RC. Like, uh, but the, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of changes. But like you said, like Tom said, there's just opening up more abilities of style of list. Like, I could have a decent shooting army now. Um with some fairly high quality shots coming in that I wasn't necessarily able to get in prior to that. And I think the jugger change is big too, as it opens up a heavy hitting fast flank. Bear in mind, they're not, they're not going to do as lot of, as much damage as some heavy hitters, but it, it gives you that option now. Right. They're not mounted suns, but you're also not paying the points for them. So it's like, okay. No, it's as close as we're going to get. And it's nice to have that option for a more heavy hammer in the list. Yeah, I, I agree. I think overall, the internal balance is better. We'll, we'll see more of the lesser taking units, including cavalry and master captains. We never saw people take master captains before. So yeah, it's very viable. There's no clear leech archetype that should be could be taken. Donny Croach did ask, are there any must-take units or is the internal balance good? I think the internal balance is one of, if not the best, across all armies in Kings of War. I don't think there's any must-take units. There's, there is a few clear standouts that you're going to see in most lists, but I think every unit in this list, bar maybe the War Engines, is viable and will see play. I hadn't mentioned this yet in the show, but we, we kind of, it's funny, in our little, the halfling page that we're on on Facebook, like, people are like, oh, I, I, I just won this one day with this, or I'm doing with this, and then, like, I think me with a lot of the halfling players look at the list and we're just like, how like it's just you know because it's so they're so different in terms of like how lists get constructed and how they're played or whatever that like i look at like i said i looked at you know, the peter's list that won uk clash of kings i'm like i don't know how this guy won anything because i got tabled i i took that list to michigan gc i got tabled two out of my five games like i don't know like obviously he made it work you know when elliot morris with his uh playing winning gts with that it's like i, I don't know so uh, I think it's a good sign of a list that like I, I can look at a list and go, I don't know how that's played versus winning, you know, but still there's ability to uh, evidently people are winning with those type of lists. So, yeah, I like that in this with the halfling list. Kings of War in general, you know, the, the whole net list thing, it, it, it's it's harder to do in Kings of War, right? Because it's not just about target acquisition. You really have to understand why the units are there. And I think this halfling list, you know, Max, you said it best. This this is an army that has to work together as a team. You don't have, oh, this unit is unkillable and, and I just got to deliver it. Like you, it all works in concert. So you have, you know, you have units that bring in the D3 brutal. You got the guys that can go in and take out ensnaring hordes with their, you know, the aeronauts. You've got the flankers. You've got the four plus post. This is an army that takes a lot of general skill, I think. You know, Felix, to your point about people are starting to win with it, I think it took that long for people to maybe figure it out. I know, Max, you had a good run last year, right? Second at Clash. 
I don't think there's necessarily must take units. I think the aeronauts are probably the closest. You want you you kind of need to take two to three. I think I know there's a question. Can you make a list without the tinker keyword? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. You don't have to spam tinker units, but I think you need to mix them in to provide some hitting power to the list. Um, I don't know. It's it's just a weird list. It plays differently than most other things. It's not really a list, despite my uh, my preferences, that you can spam things. You ne- you kind of need to build your little battle groups and get your little synergies and and just do punch above your weight and do things your opponent doesn't expect. But that's that's what makes it fun. It's a really fun army to play. And honestly, if you're only going to have one Kings War army, make it halflings because. You can play them a million different ways. There's two defined sort of uh, keywords. You got ravenous, you got tinker, but it, it's not a clear set list for either because of the interplay between the two. Because you've got iron beasts, you've got harvesters, which benefit from both auras. So it's not just fun to play in game, but it's I find list building quite fun with halflings because of the amount of synergies and and overlapping auras. Um, trying to work them into your list. Six months from now, where are we thinking this army is going to fall in the, the power curve? People are able to figure out how the synergies and all that stuff work. Uh, and as as your your upper tier players start figuring out this list and taking them to tournaments, you might start seeing it get into an upper tier of uh, of play. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of interesting to be kind of involved in the halflings at the lower at the, at the beginning stages of this army's evolution. Because I can see this being a fairly mid-level list, but then I can also see it being a super highly competitive, you know, top table at a GT uh, sort of list. So, really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how do you play this this army competitively? Yeah, I think as mentioned, I think the battle groups. uh, There's no one unit that really can work on their own. Except maybe EJ Grenadiers, but even for them, they, they benefit from Wall Charge Aura, they benefit from the Radiance of Life. So it's how you support your units with each other. I think Halflings, if you can play Halflings well, you could probably play almost all factions well, I would say. So, so having Halflings as your only Kings of War army, it's a good shout. It's, it's fragile, but at the same time, they are tough elements in the list. And they are cheap hordes that you can use so you can go a number of different ways so there's no real key uh, other than this uh using using the synergy of the list i would say yeah i agree with that so we, we don't have any unit in the list that's going to be two, 250 300 points we don't have those hard-hitting hammers we don't have 80 point gargoyles as chaff on the other end for the most part the units that you're taking it'll be somewhere in the 100 to 200 point range they're not going to delete anything on their own so you're really looking for combo charges uh, making the most of your synergies and auras which yeah it does take a lot of practice and it does take some skill to get used to so yeah it might not be new player friendly but on the other hand it's an army that you can pick up and practice with and get good at and there are multiple different builds so yeah for anyone new looking to pick up halflings, I would definitely recommend it as a, a starting army. Just be be aware that there might be a little bit of a learning curve before you get used to playing with them. Yeah, I, I agree with that because the ability to play so many different list types, you know, does does uh, plus beautiful models 
uh, does owe its uh, lend itself to uh, a, a beginner ish friendly, but just don't expect to be winning a whole lot as a beginner because, well, a you're a beginner to Kings of War, and then b there is some synergies you need to learn to take advantage of as a as a halfling players, but. I thought you were going to say you're still on that learning curve, Felix. I am. I'm 100% still on that learning curve. Don't I'm not I'm not claiming that I'm here because I, I don't know. I suggested the topic. You made the mistake. If you suggest a topic, you get mustered in. It's definitely a beginner friendly ish, but it's definitely an army that can grow with you as you kind of learn how these synergies work together and how the army plays together. It can grow with you because, like I said, you can have a, so many different types. You can have a, a very shooty list a very flyer heavy list a very melee kind of trash centric list um it's just it's a fun list to play the people that are playing halflings when i'm playing against them or i see them in a tournament they're always having a good time win or lose because you know we said it earlier like some of these units are kind of like there, there's some random elements non-deterministic things that are going to occur if you're on the back of a bronco you're just hoping you can stay on for seven seconds you're going to get a, a wild charge three you're going to get brutal three i don't know yeah, I know it's going to do four wounds or, or 12 wounds. You, didn't, you never know. You've just got to learn to live with it. You're not taking five of this unit so you can do, you know, 11.5 damage to this defense five unit. And then, you know, it's just, it's not that type of list. And it's, for me, who sometimes plays like that, it's kind of freeing and fun to not play like that. It's just a, it's a balanced list. I would say playing halflings, don't worry about countering the worst spam units out there. If you some reason or spam lists out there, um, halflings don't have a lot of great answers to like five forsaken hordes and three Pegasus and all, you know that kind of thing or all uh, boats or things like that. Just just go ahead, take take a loss and move on and <laughs> win your other four games at a tournament. There's no shame in that. This is a fun tournament army you know it's powerful you can win a lot of games with it or take the win because you roll a lot of fives and sixes like you know that that happens as well so yeah i I like that uh the variance that is kind of baked into the halfling list that you can either do like i like i said i've i've fluffed against defense three units and i've also just completely one-shotted six unit you know defense six units so it's kind of eh, you know you get both uh so i kind of like that that it's like i don't I, I can't go into a matchup really knowing what I'm going to have. Halflings tick three important boxes for me, which is part of the reasons I started them. One, the model range is amazing. It's my favorite Mantic model range. Two, list building is actually interesting. Like if I write an ogre list, I get bored by the third unit I've put in it. Halfling list list building is actually interesting, and the gameplay is obviously awesome. Let's talk scenarios. We've got a lot of speed, flyers. We've got you know, unit strength two EJ Grenadiers, unit strength two Iron Beasts. But a lot of unit strengths that we can put on the board that can be very mobile. The only scenario I would tend to struggle with might might be dominate, as some matchups they can just shove their whole army in the middle and outgrind you. But the ones that force you to spread out, I really enjoy. Yeah, I think uh, on scenarios, I think for push, you can't score with all your tokens on the Iron Beast anymore. No, you just gotta take three of them. Just take three <laughs> Iron Beasts, right? There you go. You'll be fine. Yeah, so the Iron Beast is the perfect unit to carry a token. I mean, I, I I would say in the list. So it's it's tough, it shoots, it's... uh Yeah. Scenario-wise, I think some of the control scenarios uh, where you kind of have to spread out uh, might be a bit, a bit difficult because you, you want your units to be together, closer together to get, take advantage of the auras. But in most cases, in such scenarios, you can't be playing for all 
the whole board, you you would pick and choose where you want to be, like a center and a left flank, you know. So in that case, is it too bad? Scenario play is one of the the strengths of the list. So you you have a lot of good scenario pieces, like Max was pointing out. Um, so other than I, th- I agree, other than dominate, you're you probably have the scenario advantage. Let's talk about terrain. I'm going to speculate here. You guys don't really mind terrain because you've got some of the tools to, to 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 deal with some of it. I mean, yeah, we have the tools for that, but but like I say, real men hit on sixes on half dice, uh, so I don't really mind the terrain because I'm shoving braves in. It's like, cool, I'm not expecting to kill anything, but when we need to, we do have the pieces. You have forest trolls, right? Yeah, forest trolls. we got aeronauts. We've got that strider captain now. So, I mean, we got plenty of pieces. The big thing about terrain for the army to me is you don't have heal, and other than radiance of life, you don't really have any other wound recovery. Um, so you need to limit the shooting damage that you take on the way into combat. And so you really need to use terrain effectively to limit that shooting damage. And luckily, like we've been saying all night, ter- uh, halflings have a lot of units that play well in terrain and can charge out of it um, unhindered. So so really work on your skill in deploying in such a way that you're not going to get shot off the board. <laughs> early talk to me about magical artifacts are you guys putting a lot of magical artifacts on units um or is it very specific you don't see the big ones your brew of strength your brew of sharpness we don't have those big heavy hitters that really get benefit out of those there are a few key cheaper artifacts that you'll see in a lot of this inspiring talisman or sacred horn or you know a blade of slashing here or there maybe a staying stone but for the most part no you're not spending a lot of points on artifacts there's a bunch of good targets for sacred horn where do you put it and why on the formation regiment that's a big big radius on those guys yes but yeah i think halflings are kind of the whole uh we have boys before toys so we don't want to have too many expensive artifacts on our our units because we just need more units so um but yeah to answer devlin's question yeah you probably put the sacred horn on that uh formation unit if not if you're not taking the formation uh put on a saucer obviously or maybe even that muster captain now um because that's a pretty saucy for lack of a better term uh one to put on to extend that uh strider aura yeah the the number one artifact is blade of slashing on aeronauts that's the best five points you can spend in any list in Kings of War uh, for any harmony. Elite, it can get a little pricey, but man, that thing hits hard um, on your second Aeronaut Regiment if you have the points for it. But other than that, agreed. You, I think Bane Chant now is a much more legit choice for your Tinker units. Um, but other than that, Halflings don't use magic. Halflings don't really need magical artifacts. Let's talk about matchups in terms of army archetypes. You know, what are the the, the archetypes where you think the army is going to struggle, and which ones are, are, are going to play to your favor? Halflings sit between elite and goblin style spam, so you probably want to get up to about sixteen, seventeen units in most lists. Um, so you do pretty well against the super elite armies because you have the the cheap drops to take those charges and punish on a counter charge, which is halflings are kind of a counter puncher army anyway. So that fits into what you want to do. But by the same token, you know, goblins, you 
I think you could probably have a pretty good matchup against goblins as long as they don't have a lot of long range shooting to take off your aeronauts and such early. But like I was saying earlier, super skew lists are, are hard to deal with because halflings normally are building a balance style. Talking about the the whole taking the charge and stuff like that. I, it's funny. I, I played against opponents that like, you know, they, they went and they blew up my 80 point, you know, halfling brave regiment. They're like, cool. All right. Post combat moves. I'm going to pivot here. Oh, well, that's a flank to that muster captain. All right. I'll pivot. Oh, no, it's a flank to that muster captain. So you just position your muster captain in a way that like, okay, you don't have a good place to, you know, to reposition after you kill that cheap unit. Um, that's always kind of fun to kind of play that. Guess what? You ain't got a good move after this. Yeah, I guess in terms of things I I don't personally want to see as a halfling player. Uh, man, I guess, I guess the high defense, because uh, like I said, we don't have a whole lot of mitigation to high defense. Plus side against high defense is a lot of times they don't have the amount of attacks to take out our stuff. But Again, it's hard for us to kill their stuff, so they'll outgrind us eventually. The only one I've struggled with at times would be Forces of Nature, because our, our plink damage doesn't stick, and because they have Surge, so our faster elements aren't really getting around the flanks like we want to. FON and also maybe Empire uh, Dust, they also have healing. Any any army that can heal the plink damage that we do, that we need to actually trigger relenders or to just soften you up before we go in. Those kind of armies are tough. Resident armies if we heal, they can outgrind us. Yeah, because that has the, the kind of the, the combo of like higher defense and then wound mitigation. So that's stuff we don't want to see. And the smaller base size monsters too, which it's hard for us to, to get in because aeronauts are a big large cav base. So it, it, if it's a monster, it's not easy to combo charge like you need, I mean, you're not going to be taking a bone giant off and one front charger with a aeronaut. So, yeah, EOD is extremely tough. I have a Matt, a UB game that was cast on Dash 28. If you anybody wants to go look it up um, against Eric Schaefer in the Mid Atlantic, and I didn't pull that one out. I was playing Halflings, but it's a really good uh, clash of styles. So, I thought it was interesting. So, Ollie Smith asks, "What do you think are the biggest weaknesses of Halflings?" post clash of kings 2024 i don't think it changed the big the big change in 20 cock 24 i think is twilight kin and as jeremy uh, duval can attest twilight kin do not like halflings uh, the weaknesses we had are the same weaknesses we already had and we uh we play pretty well into the new big bad I and terry Harrison did ask us as a halfling player are there any units that are boogeymen to other players and i think you're right i think this army plays well against twilight kin I think it it counters a lot of what they want to do. The spell board definitely uh, plays a lot into that. I mean, granted, you throw enough dice on fives, it's still going to go through. But I think especially with the amount of nerve we can bring to the table, too, it's like as long as you prevent those combo charges, like they may not necessarily take off what they're wanting to do in one turn. I mean, there's only in the end, there's only seven turns in this game. So anytime you can delay them taking off a unit off the board, you know, plays well in our favor. So. You guys want to go first or second with this army? First with poacher spam, I'd say. But second, if you're running 18-inch rifles or iron beasts. That's a good point. Yeah, it just depends. If you need to get into terrain to not get shot, I'd take the first turn and, and hug that terrain. Otherwise, I don't think it really matters that much. 
I've been playing basically going first just about every time, just because... But you're right, the way the list has... You don't necessarily need to be going first, so at least in that point, it, it helps. So, Clash of Kings, I took second in every chance, or every game, I believe, just because all my shooting was at an inch range, so I'm not shooting turn one anyway, and getting last turn for scenario play is important. Yeah, so yeah I think it really depends on uh, your list. And, but I generally, I'm a, a bit more aggressive as a player. I, I tend to go first. So I tend to bring, to cover the board because we are a slow army for the most part. So if I can, if I can close the gap early, I think that, that helps me later on for the scenarios. What point level does this army play best at? I like lower point levels. So Clash was at 1995 and I had, what, four flyers and two cavalry regiments. So there's just a lot more space on the board. You can, work your fast elements to get around people so i think it works quite well at low points yeah i completely agree with that shooting and and flying and nimble are all much better at lower points and those are three things that halflings rely on so the lower the lower the better and you're really not wanting to take a lot of three of heroes or monsters so that 1995 points level that doesn't hurt what we want to do at all so share with us one tip for playing against halflings. Shoot the aeronauts early and often. Right. The other thing is halflings are permanently in Wavertown. You know, shoot for the waiver. I had my buddy 3D print probably 10 to 12 waiver tokens because I just, I'd live there. Just I, I've had games where my entire left flank is wavered or my entire right flank's wavered. So without a lot of waiver mitigation... Being only thing is the headstrong aura from the Iron Beasts. You get wavered a lot. We're to the, the final part of the show where we're going to share some lists. If you guys want to pull up your list, what we'll do is we'll take turns walking through the list and just explain as you're going through it, you know, what the role of each unit is. Who wants to start us off? Sure, I'll go. So if you want my not real list that will make you no friends, it's just... Eight poacher regiments, three volley guns, and three flying airless, which is 2,000 points exactly. I would never take that, but somebody might. That's probably the the worst halfling list I can come up with. Uh, my actual list um, is that I've been working on is four brave hordes, two grenadier regiments, four aeronauts, two harvesters, three gunnery surgeons on trolls and uh, a muster captain on wing airless. So that's 2,300 points, uh, 16 units and 30 units strength. It reminds me a lot of Adam Ballard's masters winning night stalker list. It is actually. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You say that that was based on his, uh, on his list. Yeah. It's not going to, it has just a little bit of shooting to punk chaff off, uh, but it's got a lot of, of cheap nerve and uh, aeronauts to, Hitching the flanks when you bounce off the Braves and, and everything scores. Who wants to go next? I can go next. Um, this is my list. Uh, this is not the greatest halfling list in the world. This is just a tribute. Very more infantry centric than I think from Tom's list. It's got one regiment and three hordes of Braves, two hordes of the rifles, three regiments of the edge grenadiers, two regiments of the aeronauts, uh, the fully kitted out engineer. Wild Charge, Plus One Tinker, Radiance of Life, the Long Rifle, and Gadgets and Gizmos. A Saucer with the miniature mounted on the Aerolez. Miniature Aerolez. 
and the Inspiring Talisman, a Gunnery Sergeant on Troll, and then two Muster Captains on Winged Arrowheads. So that is 16 drops and 30 unit strength. I don't even remember which tournament I took this one to. It's got a little bit of a mix of the shooting with the two hordes of the rifles. Ton of infantry units with the three hordes and the regiment of braves just to unlock and take up battle space. It's got the two aeronaut regiments, the edge grenadiers for chaff, the two muster captains and winged arrows for actual flying poke, and then the one uh, the sorcerer on the arrows and the engineer for inspiring, and then all the different auras they can do, and then gunnery sergeants as well for the uh, inspiring as well. So that's twenty three hundred points. So yeah, again, sixteen units rank thirty, uh, thirty units rank sixteen drops. So. So in a lot of uh, Braves and Muster Captains and Winged Arrowless, so I'll throw something different at you guys. So this is one of those I've been running recently. It's two Rifle Hordes uh, and an Iron Beast with Pride as my center line. So the, the Iron Beast goes in between the two Rifle Hordes. Uh, two Aeronaut Regiments floating behind the Rifles as a counterpunch. Two AJ Grenadier Regiments for flanking. Uh, so two Jugger Regiments with Relentless Upgrade. One Wild Runner Regiment, so Black Powder Upgrade on them. Uh, I've got the Sure-Footed Muster Captain, making use of the um, Strider Aura on the two Jugger Regiments. A Sorcerer on a Miniature Arrowless with Inspiring Talisman to, again, follow those Jugger Regiments around. And the Formation. So Spear Spikes with Orb of Towering Presence, they sit in the middle supporting the, the Iron Beast and the Rifles, mostly with Rally, but all the other buffs as well. And the two Wild Runner troops go out on the flank with the Juggers um, to support the fast flank. Awesome. Mo, do you got something for us? Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty much my list from Clash, which which went 4 and 2. It's uh, three Horde of Braves, two EJ Grenadiers, uh, one Force Troll Gunner with Staying Zone, two Harvesters, two Iron Beasts, one with the Upgrade, two Engineers, one Fully Kitted Out, uh, both with Halfling Long Rifles, one Sorcerer with a Boomstick, and a new addition to my list, which is the Gunnery Sergeant on Troll that will, that will hang out with the Poachers. So yeah, it's uh, about 16 drops, about 27 unit strength. I think it's... Uh, Similar to my previous list, and I think it's a combined arms with lots of shooting, actually. Yeah, it's quite deceptively lots of shots. I think it's something like six, 60 shots or something like that. Fantastic. Well, Tom, what's your final thoughts? Halflings are a list that doesn't play like anything else, and that's what makes them fun. It also makes it challenging uh, to come up with a list. I would say work on your battle groups first. Figure out what's working in in small measure bef- you know um, you know what's working in your center line what's working on your flank and what's not and just keep building from there because uh, it's gonna take a lot of play play testing of your own to figure out what works for you and what combinations of units work together um, hit up the halfling Facebook group there's a lot of good advice there a lot of people willing to help and so it's a good place to start if you're don't know what the heck to do with this weird army how about you mode yeah i think the halfing group is a good, great place uh the mega army is a good uh one of the better mega armies you get iron beasts you get tons of infantry actually the mega army and army box together would would be a, good, a very good start you get a harvester in there as well you get heroes yeah it's it's a fun list there's a lot of ways you can run them there's no clear net list at least not for now 
and I hope never. So yeah, it's the range is awesome. So it's gonna be fun. It's always fun to to you know to kill your 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 opponent with halflings without you know much crushing strength. Felix, how about you, sir? Like people have been saying, it's a extremely fun list. It's funny when you go to the halfling group, people will post lists, and everyone is just kind of like, "Huh, okay, like good on you," because I I don't think the the arch- archetype has been set yet. Uh, I mean, there's definitely definitely pieces of the archetype that have kind of been kind of solidified, but putting it all together into a list, you can definitely like. I mean, everybody looks at the halfling group and goes like, "Oh, like when when Peter." won the UK Clash of Kings, everyone was just like, oh, okay. Like, like no one was just like, oh yeah, that's the list that's going to win UK Clash of Kings. So uh, there's a lot of different uh, variety within the playlist. Uh, that's one thing I do enjoy about it. I enjoy that I have fun with it because it is so random. Like like I said, I've I've completely, completely raffle stomped enemies sometimes and I've struggled against, you know, defense five for whatever weird reason because of the list. So I enjoy it. I use it kind of as an excuse to kind of uh, mask my own bad generalship, but uh, hey, that's that's where I'm at right now. So, but yeah, fun list. Definitely suggest people to play that, especially if you're new, because I mean the, the the models are beautiful. There's a really good community around the halflings right now. Awesome. Throw it over to Max. Yeah, halflings. If you like the model range, like I do, pick them up. Paint two of every unit, and you can't go wrong. Uh, everything's viable, uh, and it's a very I find it's a very rewarding army to play with. When you pull off a combo charge and then you throw in Brutal D3 as well, that's that's a good feeling when it works. When your opponent waves something and thinks they're safe and then you move your Iron Beast over and give it a headstrong aura, that's that's a good feeling. When your opponent pushes forward thinking they're safe and then you, you throw something in with a Strider aura and a Brutal aura on top and pull off a, a kill, that's, it feels rewarding to play with. So, yeah, it's a very fun army to play. And I'll leave it at that. Mo, do you want to take us out? Yes. Yeah, so thank you for joining us on Counter Charge and keep counter charging.